I think Trevor Brookings next. Well, he is next to me. And I think <laughs> you've got to have a decent voice. Uh, you've got to have a sense of timing. You've got to know when to talk and when not to talk. And I think you've got to try and get across essentially what the viewer can't experience at home, which is the excitement in the crowd, uh, something that you might spot, you know, which the cameras are just about to reach that still hasn't become apparent. You are the eyes and the ears of the viewer. Yes, well, of course, England's next game in the FIFA World Cup in 2018 in Russia takes place tomorrow against yeah, Panama. Uh, Harry Kane is their talisman. He's their, their captain. Uh, could, of course, uh, declared for Ireland. Probably a bit disappointed with that call. Um, but he's playing great, Peter. I mean, considering he looks like a butcher's assistant. Mm. And, and, you know, if you looked around, you'd see ten sausages behind them. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Jordan Henderson, he looks, he plays like he was sourced on a farm. Yes. I'll tell you why, he looks like a, a boiled bacon hock. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, uh, of course, uh, Harry Kane is very good at finding space, isn't he, in the World Cup. Welcome to Tales of the East End, episode 231, and it's me, Gary P. It's course. Prof. Carl Riley. I like the scarf. Stop <laughs> 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 talking about the, the... Don't bring up the war, Prof. Uh, Ocean Electrical. Unless you create a Prof. We didn't even mention him last week. Do you know what? I realised that afterwards. I realised on the way home. I was like, oh no, we didn't pay the bills. I didn't pay the bills. <laughs> Handbrake. <laughs> Ocean Electrical. Uh, yeah, so of course, Ocean Electrical. Prof. Ocean Electrical, fantastic guys, of course, looking after us as usual. Get in touch with them for all your electrical needs. They do a lot more than that as well. Got have to go big this week to make up for last week. Yeah, so get in touch with them, of course, fantastic for electrical needs here. And uh, let's credit, because let's credit. They got your back. Yeah, we don't have their back. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so a packed show, Prof. It's Deja Vu, Andrade. We headed down on the WAC Express. Hannah Dunn, our women's correspondent, dives into the hidden history of Shamrock Ladies FC. All the way back to the mid-90s. And there's an interview with former Hoops winger Billy Woods as we look ahead to the Tala doubleheader with Derry. Billy's native Cork. So, um, great stuff. Oh, Billy, Prof. Really, really enjoyed it. That I was talking to you and work about this. That whole team, few jack the lads, you know. They kind of fancy themselves. They smell themselves. The Darrows, the Beach <laughs> Boys, the um, the Sean Francis is all confident, kind of cocky. You know, it's boys like a drink. That was a bit yeah. of a... I think that team, like a lot of people said before, that team should have won trophies. It's my favourite era to hear stories from. Ever since we did Tracy and Undowed, 
which is still up there, probably in my top three mm. favorite shows we've done. I just love all the players from that era, and he he was right in there, late nineties, early nineties. So, yeah, really enjoyed the chat with Billy. Yeah, great stuff coming out, Billy. So we're looking forward to it. And we released last week's show on exactly our sixth anniversary, Puff. And happy anniversary, Puff. Yes, indeed. And we had a photo of our first ever recording session as well, which I don't think I knew existed. Uh, Johnny Blue pulled it out of the archives. Yeah, there was a few reactions to that. Adam Royley said that's one to be framed. Uh, probably is. Yeah. Let me get that framed. Emma said we haven't aged a day, which not sure about that one. I had a lot more hair back then. It's a lot flattering. That's a. Um, it's very flattering that photo. If you look at Guardiola before and after he he had the Barcelona job, it's the same with me. That's what this podcast has done to me. And with me, if you look at Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo before and after, <laughs> that's pretty much me. Yeah. Well, my first album was when. Uh, because it popped up on Twitter and it said, you know, it says happy birthday and all that. So then you know that's when you you made your account. My first thought was, Jesus, Roddy was a year ago. I know. The, yeah. Rod, the Rodcast was a year ago. Time is flying. It is. It's flying. It came up on our on our Facebook memories the other day. The Rodster. The Rodcast. Um, Winston Prof meets the Gaffney's reaction. This was brilliant. I loved it. That was very, very, very cool. Um, no gaff on the on the Wack Express though. No, that was a shame. Yeah. Um, to get some feedback. But, um, yeah. Winston Meester Gaffney's a members only corner. Yeah, brilliant um, stuff out of the lads. Yeah, so now Gaffney's with the lads down the back of the bus, the Wack Express, they were raving about it. So they all enjoyed that. And um, we have we'd have Robbie on a couple of times before. We had him on with Noel Sinna. That was the just after twenty nineteen opening day. That's when the two of them went down on the bus with us with Alan O'Neill. We did a quick one as well in twenty twenty. That was just after COVID uh, started and we came back with our Player of the Year series. Um, you were saying, Gary, you made a point that like a lot of our new listeners, like we have a lot of new listeners who wouldn't have heard shows from three, four years ago. So even though I'm conscious of, like in this case, it was Winston meets the Gaffneys. And yeah, props are always conscious of yeah. content, you know, before, if yeah. we're going to run out. And I'd be like, well... People forget, like they do yeah. genuinely forget. That's why it was it was cool to have Winston, and then we had Jason, who had never been on the show before, and Jason was fantastic. But yeah, like you say, like the two shows are just called out of there. Some people haven't even heard them. And so. there's obviously ways of pulling content out of these things. You know yeah. what I mean? I uh, quite enjoyed the mustaches. That was Winston's uh, Photoshop work <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> someone called them porn stars. Yeah, and that was their cover photo. The uh, the prof the prof's on the Guinness lads. It's it's early mm. on a Tuesday, and here's he's having fig rolls with it. Tell me what you think of those com of that combo. Well, you see, I haven't had dinner yet, so I just need something to keep me taking over. <laughs> fig rolls and Guinness. And you say you it early, but I mean, like, I go to work at eight in the morning, so I mean, I kind of have to start. I'm not a bit, judging prop, by the way. I have I'm to start judging. a bit earlier. I'm like a proud father. And then I end earlier. That's how it goes. <laughs> uh, we've Mick McCarthy. The center there, great podcast, lads. The captains were brilliant, as was Winston. It was a pity that Robbie didn't bring up the Player of the Year award. It's a great story. Only thing we have is a pain in our hole listening to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had a hat trick. Winston was right. Yeah, he had a hat trick yeah. of bringing it up. McCarthy did say, though, he was amazed he didn't mention the infamous Reedy Nutmeg in the 1984 Cup Winners' Cup. So he didn't didn't get that in. That was um, Peter Reid, was it? Peter Reid, yeah. Uh, Phelan says Sean Hoare needs soap and water for this potty mouth. In the quiz as well, yeah. They, I like the way they're relaxed with us, though. It's, mm-hmm. it's cool. A uh, big shout out to Phelan and Catalpa as well. They are currently supporting the Wolf Tones and um, the Olympia Prof. Massive, massive 
gig for them to do and a, a massive yeah. honour as well so big shout out to get help and get your tickets for the April gig we're trying to get a Tifties night going actually so the <laughs> Wolf Towns register your interest we're probably going to go and give Phelan a bit of support a few Rovers tunes Some in, man, in the crowd yeah um, Corey Keegan oh he was the fellow who got sick in the bag of cans sorry once again <laughs> now I will say I, 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 we found out his name right we deliberately chose not to say his name in the podcast because we didn't want to embarrass him. Yeah. But he's come forward now and yep. admitted it, so... He's put the hands up. There you go. I, um, do you know what? Um, he sounds like some um, young teen actor who was destined for stardom and then just never happened. Corey Keegan. <laughs> Corey, yeah. Uh, my favourite detail about that, though, Gar, it wasn't even his cans that he threw up into. And he threw them away as well. I just... Uh, there's ways in me, There's ways around it. The drink is inside. <laughs> Um, Eamon Mack says he has a new location to add to the Tifties global listening map go on um, Mount Blanc Mount Blanc up at the very peak of a mountain near the country which consumes the highest uh, amount of chocolate per capita per capita Switzerland ah. uh, or at least it comes into part of Switzerland I don't know the exact geography of it but uh, he said he wants a t-shirt for highest listen Listen. I don't know if we can arrange we that. We can arrange that. Do you know what? I never what? got the whole skiing thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. I don't want to be cold on my holidays. <laughs> but then apparently it's nice and warm at night and the piss ups are great on the ski trips. But I'd definitely give it a go, but it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me. Plus I'd end up breaking an ankle or doing some sort of damage. Apparently it's tough like so mm-hmm. no. No, I've never done the skiing thing myself. Um Eamon quite enjoyed my story last week about how I got back in the bus from Sligo and I sat next to James Lowe. And just looks at me and goes, Book of Mormon. <laughs> so good. And then as soon as I sat back on the Drahada bus, because it was like the same again, I sat down, opened up a texture Maiman, and it just says, So good. Book of Mormon. <laughs> uh, we had a massive, massive um, controversial scene at Rovers. Members Packs Prof. Um... It was up there with the seats. It was up there with the controversy with the seats, with the colour of the seats when they first went into the main stand. Hashtag Scarfgate. Yeah. Um, Members packs, yeah. Um, we'll say a big thanks to anyone. for First of all, the volunteers were Roy McMullen, Chris Hoyland, Morris Bourne, Ray Whelan Sr., Paul Weaver, Les McCormick and Mick Queen for managing the logistics and getting everybody sorted. And to you, a couple of posties as well, Gary, who helped we did. Uh, we, speed things along. We, we, me and the bear, we helped out. Uh, so... So Scarf was terrible. <laughs> so there was a bit of a backlash, uh, understandably in, in some ways, because it said 2022 on them. Uh, it was essentially Europa Conference League merch. Like, it wasn't a member scarf. Do you know what it reminds me of? Um, Knowing your way and you're with your parents as a kid, you're walking down the promenade or whatever it is, the pier, and they've got fellas selling these cheap jerseys. Do you know the Real Madrid hasn't got the scar, hasn't got the actual crest on it. It's everything is printed onto it. That's yeah. what it reminded me of. You know one of those those yeah. days you bring home, and then when you bring it home, you get absolutely dogs abuse because it's <laughs> shit. Yeah, it didn't feel like a member scarf. It didn't look like a member scarf. Um, you can always count on people like Pat Martin though to provide context. And just says it's a scarf, lads. One of about six hundred and fifty six we've got to date. Nobody died. Yeah, no, um, it's it's only like it's a minor. Enough issue, but I think what the people were frustrated with was the lack of effort put in and the thought towards the members. Whereas the members want 
to be able to hang it on the wall beside their other lovely embroidered scarves that come along but then this thing comes along and it's just like this is the runt of the litter you know what I mean yeah, but to be honest if I, had been, if I was a member for 20 years I wouldn't want 20 scarves personally hmm. but I think I only have I've kept the one so far so I w- another one wouldn't have bothered me uh, John Harper goes uh, the new scarf is Maldiva. <laughs> there you go um, I think the answer was to not send any scarf really wasn't it then then you can't get anybody moaning at you. Well, we have a new one coming out now as well. Yeah. So there's your remedy. Well, just say, you know, the scarf's been delayed. Yeah. <laughs> just could have avoided, like, people are bringing up the brick in the wall, you know. Things the are brick get, in the wall things are getting, uh, <laughs> things, Shit's getting real when they're bringing shit's that up. Shit's getting real. <laughs> that needs to happen. Uh, on to the football news again. And unfortunately, Pico got a three-match ban. I think the way you sum it up, like, it's not a red card, Right. But this letter of the law bullshit, unfortunately, is being applied. But, once again, Maloney made a lot of sense with this, is that the letter of the law doesn't necessarily have to be applied here because common sense can be taken into account now, especially with the last man back rule which got changed. Because if the ref deems the defender to have intentionally tried to get the ball instead of the man, it's not necessarily a straight red card. This Mm. should have been... Treated in the same way where Pico went up, ruffled his hair. The ref should have saw that there was no intent to hurt or it was a piss take. And he could have gave him a yellow and said, right, don't do that again. I know what you're doing. You're trying to wind them up. You're trying to incite a little bit of trouble here. It wasn't violent. It wasn't anything like that. That's the way I feel about it anyway. It shouldn't have been a red. But the letter of the law, bullshit. Maybe this needs to be looked at now. Whereas he raised his hand, fair enough. But now it can be up to interpretation. It can be open to interpretation now. Whereas I could have gave you a little... A little tap on the face. Come on, Prof. Get up. Get your finger out. Now that can be a red straight away. So I think it needs to be revised and looked at. But we're sitting here nearly two weeks later and I still can't wrap my head around how first the referee thinks it's a red and then you tell me officials actually sat down and watched this footage and said this is violent conduct. Yep. Is it a case of a red card is an automatic three-match ban and they have such rule book rigidity that it's just like, well... Red carried three matches. Hands up, bound by the laws. We can't do a thing. No, I, I think what they if, need to be able to show a bit of bottle. And some, like we said, common sense. It's not like draconian measures where you have to, or you'll get 40 lashes for going against the, the referee's union. Show some come on. Could this cop not on, be a slippery like. slope? Because if this is deemed violent conduct, then let's just break noses. Yeah. Let's just punch people around it. <laughs> if it's the same as roughing hair... Make it worth it. Let's just hit people. Yeah, let's just make it worth it. And like. by the way, so much for us being league darlings. I know. Getting the player three match band, our captain. Jesus, this goes back to the seventies, prof, where we were forced to play <laughs> a final three days after playing yeah. three games in a row. We have not been league darlings for fifty years, and I approved <laughs> it in this week's issue yes. of Poop Scene. Um, yeah, so Darren Dillon, Lazarus. He's back. Kickstart Fitness is not closing after all, but he's still venturing down the TRX rabbit hole. He's in Germany at the minute. But yeah, it's been taken over. So um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Wednesday was deadline day and a Polish goalkeeper played a friendly for us versus Ireland Amateurs and he's six foot nine prof. He's getting excited. If you want to pronounce his name there. Here we go, yeah. That's okay. Patrick Pocek. Patrick Pocek. Trying to think of a song already. He's 27, free agent after leaving AEL Limassol in Cyprus. He once played for Garnick, 
That is a throwback for Robert's man. Jab, jab. Yeah, Garnick in the 90s. He's yeah. six foot eight. Six foot eight. Big boy. As I just say, I said to someone, I don't, don't think The Undertaker is even six foot eight. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the way that was the first thing that came to That's gigantic. So from poles to pole. Yeah. Uh, yes, we have the Glimmerlore pub quiz. The Territory pub was that same Wednesday night. It was great crack. It's great crack. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, we were right up there until the deaths. Right up there until the deaths. You and the gents. Fantastic quiz teammates. More so Jen, to be fair. I think he was like that. I had a few answers that no one knew. You had a few answers that nobody else knew. Um, but the gents, was he, un- it was unbelievable. He was the engine room. He was yeah. the he was the he was the pico of the team yeah. that day. He dragged us dragged us along. If he ever joins forces with Maloney and Ray, and that's Turner, what I was thinking. That they'd be banned from every mm. pub in Dublin. Maybe a couple of people okay. less. There. I don't know about Turner now. Where's Turner getting uh, getting in here? Listen, Turner gets eighty percent of my quiz every week. So After three fucking goals. Now I believe. I think. I think. It's, <laughs> I think it's all on the level. But they, that team was called Turner's Ticks. <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, now fair play to them. Uh, they were they were champions. And um, a very uh, very cool uh, gesture by giving half the money back to Glenmalore. So they got a free night. Did a nice kebab down in the Greek place. That new Greek. Um, Restaurant down to Ashley Fastrack sponsor. Look at our sponsor. And uh, they had a free night, so they gave a few quid to mm-hmm. Glenmore. So it is. It's actually quite expensive running a club. You wouldn't believe. It's I think it's 200 quid a week for training. you got long ref fees. you got ref fees. You've paid a pitch. There's a lot involved in it. It actually is a lot, a lot of money involved. So if you are around, yeah. get yourself a a, a lot of ticket for Glenmore and, and support any nights that they have out, please. So big shout out to Woolly and Rick, two great quiz masters. By the time uh, it wrapped up, I think it was like after ten, and then we were kind of, we moved into the bar and it was maybe maybe half ten. And uh, so this was Wednesday night. Maloney asked me, uh, "Will the show be out tomorrow morning, Thursday morning?" I said, "Yeah." I had a few games to me at that point. I was <laughs> like, "Yeah, unless I fall asleep, yeah, it's out Thursday morning." He goes, "Friday morning." <laughs> <laughs> he doubted me, but it went up alright. I got it done. Doubt um, me now, yeah. Couple of the questions. Uh, have a, a bound to pick with Woody now. In general, brilliant questions by Woody and Ricky. Uh, this was this was a really really enjoyable quiz. It was a funny one where it was the one question about Haaland. It, it had but, moving parts. <laughs> yeah. How many Champions League goals he scores, and he was the match was on at the time. And I said to you, I said, "What if he scores now?" As we're doing this question. Um, but he had one. What's the oldest League of Ireland club? And straight away, I was like, "It's not Bowes." Because they always say oldest Dublin club. Yeah. And think about it. If they were the oldest, Lambert would be mentioned this as um, often as he mentions being members only yeah. or 100% oldest members owned. own club. Praying for Atlanta yeah. to get our uh, business to grow. Yeah. It is Atlanta. Apparently, Woody claims that they were founded as a GA club first or something, but I'm not having it, Woody. No. What, this Lone? is some sort of Carlo folklore that Atlanta he's learned down the, the answer. I'm sorry. It just is. But, uh, the League of Ireland round was actually kind of mental. I think we we did well. I think we got seven out of... No, we did well. I'm giving ourselves the Atlanta point. Yeah, so absolutely. Seven out of eight. We got the Roddy Collins question. Many clubs. T- it was a tough round. No Rovers won either as well. They, yeah. they shanked you on that one, Prof. There was a bit of a 2001st Division, 2006 First Division feel to it. Gort Keegan Park was yeah. another one as well. And uh, Kareem El-Kabir. Worst question ever. <laughs> Purely put in to frustrate us. Yeah, like no one was getting that. I was looking at it and I was like, "It's not in Babsy. It's not Curtis Fleming. Who was it? It's not Terry Field. 
And like he was, he was clearly wearing like a late nineties, maybe two thousand yeah. shirt. So I said to you, I said, "Oh, Garrett played for Pat's underage teams, didn't he?" So like you, Garrett will know this person. Don't remember. You'd never heard of him. Never, heard, never of heard of him. No. And I then Man. I text our resident Pat's mole, Noel Cully. Noel said, "Yeah, had a heart attack as well, so I think he stopped playing." So there you go. Yeah, so you remembered um, him well. I quite yeah. The music round was. Uh, we did. We didn't do too well, and that's we were neck and neck until that point, and then we, we were terrible. But that's more of a we ground hopper. Yeah. One, we, it was around about what music teams come out to, and I, oh geez, I'm oblivious to that at times. Like, yeah, I think we only got a couple right there. I quite enjoyed the 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 quotes round. I think that that was fantastic. Uh, Renieri, Diddy Ding, Diddy Dong, <laughs> we're in the Champions League, and uh, and then there was Alan Hansen. You won't win anything with kids. And then what did you say, Gar? Kevin Brennan. Because <laughs> Bradger was sitting beside us. The look. <laughs> He's nearly like the exorcist. His head turned all the way around. Great sports, though. Great sports. Yeah. Took a bit of stick. It was good crack. So, yeah, looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to the next one. But, yeah, yeah, next up, Prof. We have Hannah with the history of the Rovers women's team with contributions from Robert Goggins and Declan and the Shagging Box Hughes. <laughs> In 2011, Shamrock Rovers were founder members of the Women's National League, playing just three seasons in the WNL. A young Stephanie Roach scored goals for fun during those years with Piedmont United, where she collected a league medal, two golden boots and a FIFA Puskas Runners-Up award. Meanwhile, Rovers struggled at the bottom of the division. The Hoops played their home games at Tallis Stadium for two seasons and won at the AUL Complex in the 2013-14 campaign, when a decision was taken to withdraw from the league. But during the late 1990s and early 2000s, Shamrock Rovers Ladies FC were a force to be reckoned with, winning both the Dublin Women's Soccer League and the FAI Women's Cup five times in a row. There was even a major European group stage in Serbia in 2002, nine years before the men's team broke new ground in Belgrade. In the early 90s, Dennis Power helped establish Castle Rovers FC, a women's club founded by employees of the Irish Civil Service. They were based out of Albert College Park on Ballymun Road. Castle Rovers played in the DWSL and were league champions in 1995 and double winners in 1996 by defeating O'Connell Chicks in the Women's Cup final. O'Connell Chicks went on to become St. Patrick's Athletic while Castle Rovers were taken over by Shamrock Rovers. Under the guidance of first Dennis Power and then manager Simon Bradish, Rovers went on to become one of the leading Irish football teams of this era. The Hoops won four successive league and cup doubles from 1998 and 2001 not to mention a cup triumph in 1997 and another league trophy in 2002, before UCD began to dominate the scene. Club historian Robert Goggins and UCD commentator Declan Hughes still remember the all-conquering Rovers ladies team. Uh, I went to as many of their games as I could. At that time, there was just a handful of fans who were frequent attendees at their games. The late Robin Brout was their biggest fan. Declan Hughes, now more familiarly known at UCD and his dad, were always also at the games, as too were John McDonnell and Richard and Marie Tully. I suppose I had a couple of connections to uh, players who ended up in the Rover squad. I went to watch my first Ireland match in 1992. Ireland played Sweden. And then the following year, I bumped into a couple of them playing for a Munster selection in a competition called the Bracken Cup. And most of the girls that I got friendly with and chatting to after the Bracken Cup were either playing for the College Corinthians team in Cork or Benfica in Waterford. And one of the College Corinthians players, uh, Pauline Devlin, 
and Siobhan Furlong from Benfica and Waterford rocked up to uh, Rovers, Castle Rovers as they were at the time, in 1995. And <clears throat> Castle Rovers were in the, the newly formed Dublin Women's Soccer League Premier Division at the time. Now, I can give you a bit of background to how that happened. Um, there used to be two leagues in Dublin, one called the Civil Service Soccer League and the other one called the Leinster Ladies League. And in 1994, the two of them merged to form the Dublin Women's Soccer League. And uh, that was the league that dominated women's football in the absence of a national league, right up to the formation of the National League in 2011. And Castle Rovers got into the Premier Division of that in the early 90s and uh, were taken over by Shamrock Rovers in 1997. They'd already won the first of their famous six in a row women's cups that they won. So when I first went to watch Castle Rovers playing, I went to see Pauline Devlin and Siobhan Furlong as much as anything. But uh, after a while then, uh, over the next couple of years, Bernie O'Reilly Nesbitt arrived at uh, Shamrock Rovers having been a UCD student and I'd seen her playing for the college team. And then Nikki O'Neill came over from Rat Farnham United and I knew her from playing for the Ireland team. And Olivia O'Toole, of course, was playing for uh, Shamrock Rovers at this time as well. And she was the best player we had. There's two people at three people. There's Sinus Bradish. He managed me from Rahini to Shamrock Rovers. Dennis Power. They were two managers. And my father. They were the three men that defined my football career. <laughs> you want to put it like that. Yeah. yeah. So I, had, I formed a bond with not only the players, but also the backroom staff, the likes of... Um, Patricia Martin, who was the secretary of the club, um, Dennis Power, who was in charge of the club, and Simon Bradish, whose wife Jackie was playing for Shamrock Rovers at the time. I remember I invited Robin to write regular pieces in the match programme featuring the women's team. While there is massively growing interest in the women's game at present, it certainly wasn't the case back in the mid-1990s. I'm not sure how Hoops fans who are readers of the programme took to this new development in the game, but recognising even back then that this side of the game was going to grow, I thought it was well worth dedicating space to them in the programme. Apart from anything else, this wasn't just the women's football team. I had realised this was a very special one. I think they began life as Castle Rovers, if I'm not mistaken, and participated in the Civil Service League if I'm also not mistaken, it was Pat Bourne and the new consortium led by Premier Computers who negotiated the entry of this team into the Rovers family as part of the plan to grow the club in the Tallaght area and beyond. In one of the first issues of the programme for the 1997-98 season, Robin reported on a tournament in Manchester that the Rovers women had won. They beat Warrington ladies in the final, having shown impressive form along the way, including the 5-0 trouncing of Stockport County. He wrote, It was worth noting that this fabulous success was achieved despite the absence of several first-team regulars, such as Pauline Devlin, Jackie Bradish, Tina McLaughlin and Nicky O'Neill. He also noted that Olivia O'Toole had been carrying an injury and her game time was curtailed as a result. In the final paragraph of Robin's article, he reported that the team had captured the LFAI Cup, having beaten Shelburne 4-0 at the Ivy Grounds in Crumlin. I did say that very few fans attended the games, 
But this particular one is an occasion a lot will remember. A novel occasion and a bar with a balcony overlooking the pitch offered too good an opportunity for a vociferous bunch of fans to turn down and no doubt buoyed on by the non-stop singing of these fans from their lofty spot in the clubhouse. The SRFC women put on an incredible display that left the Reds shell-shocked and that's not meant to be a pun either. The players couldn't believe it. They hadn't been expecting that support and atmosphere and it certainly gave them a boost. They did ask though on several occasions afterwards why the fans weren't coming to their games. Like a lot about Rovers at the time, the club was a bit all over the place and the women's team were playing at home grounds such as Albert College, Trinity Sports and Leisure and the AUL. It was inevitable as time went on, especially given the talent and experience they had, that the team would become too strong. Week in, week out, they were trouncing opponents. A year after Robin Brout wrote the article I referred to, there was a roundup featuring the women's team in the programme in which it was reported they had beaten Newbridge Town by 10-0, with Olivia O'Toole getting five goals. It was in 2002 that Rovers became the first club to represent Ireland in European club competition when they qualified for the UEFA Women's Cup, which is now the Champions League. Declan travelled with the team to Serbia to see Rovers beat Croatian side Osijek 3-1 and finish a respectable third in the group, behind German and Yugoslav opposition. Olivia O'Toole scored in all three games in Nice, including a heavy defeat to FFC Frankfurt, the UEFA Cup holders who went on to win the tournament once again. The Machine Arts niche team that, that uh, Rovers played against who were hosting the group were effectively the uh, rump Yugoslavia international team. What I mean by rump Yugoslavia, I mean the Yugoslavia that consisted of just Serbia and Montenegro, which is in existence from about 1992 to 2003. And uh, the Machine Arts team that played against Rovers had 10 Yugoslavia internationals and one Macedonian playing for them. And Rovers played quite well against them, like to only lose 4-1 against what was effectively an international side. Dennis Power was the main man behind the women's team, an absolute gent who originally hailed from Waterford. He passed away in 2018. Simon Bradish came in as his assistant at one stage and then took over at the helm as manager, with Dennis continuing to be a vital part of the setup. Sadly, after the examiner process had concluded in 2005 and the new board took over, the women's team were stood down. The board, perhaps feeling they had to prioritise, decided to not continue with the team. It's understandable that there was huge disappointment amongst the players with the decision. Looking at that team now, I have no doubt they would easily have competed in the National League where they're around now, these days. They were certainly ahead of their time, and even now some of them, including Olivia O'Toole and Sharon Boyle, continue to contribute as coaches, passing on their experience to a new generation. They had plenty of that. It's just a pity the team hadn't been able to continue post-examinership. It can truly be said they were special. Very, very special indeed. Robin Brower was one of the Hoops' most loyal supporters through bad times and good, never allowing his reliance on crutches due to spina bifida to hold him back. His book, Died in the Wool, was published posthumously in 2005, and within, Robin penned a chapter about going to Rovers women's games with his good friend Declan in the 90s. Memory I have of uh, being on the sideline with Robin was that Robin had to use crutches, unfortunately, but he was as fast at walking up a sideline or walking up a pitch or walking anywhere as as any of us who, who didn't need crutches, and he was very, very good at propelling himself. So many's the Monday evening I would have spent watching matches with Robin, uh, watching the Rovers girls playing. But um, when... Uh, 
when Rovers uh, ladies used to participate in the uh, Shamrock Rovers Club Awards at the end of the season, uh, the first season they awarded uh, Robin Browett Supporter of the Year, and it was well deserved. That would have been for 1998. But the following year, I was representing Benfica of Waterford as at the Dublin League, and I would be at a lot of Rovers matches, and I'd be writing articles on Rovers versus Shells and send a copy to the Shells programme and a copy to the Rovers programme and Rovers versus Pats and do the like, same thing for them, and if they played Bows, do the same thing for them, and so on. So, uh, But I was at so many... Uh, Rovers matches in 1999 and despite the fact I was uh, a representative of another club they gave me supporter of the year for 1999. In the book Robin described receiving the award as a really humbling experience. He also wrote about the first time he saw Ireland's most talented forward Olivia O'Toole in action. Robin recalls Declan gesturing manically to him to watch the Rovers number 10 who was quite obviously something a bit special. Who is she Robin asked. That's Livy, announced an enthusiastic Declan. If she were a man, she'd be worth £12 million. No, make that £15 million. Olivia was the first international, male or female, to score 50 international goals for Ireland. Her record of 54 international goals was equaled by Robbie Keane in September 2012. Olivia was some special talent. She was a cousin of Trevor Malloy, the cheeky striker who had torn heads in the reserves since arriving from Belvedere at eight years, 18 years old. I recall one evening at a game played in Walkinstown Park, watching in awe as Olivia took possession of the ball on the left of the pitch, just inside the opponent's half. She went an amazing run towards the box, twisted and turning, displaying some incredible ball control, evading attempted tackle after attempted tackle, before unleashing a shot just inside the box that finished in the back of the net. They didn't charge in for those games, but if they had, that move alone would have been worth the admission charge. I knew I had a talent when you're playing football and people are coming over to you and saying, I've never seen a player like you. And, but I, I knew I had a talent, but I, I wasn't a cocky talent. I wasn't cocky about my ability. I knew I was a good player and I knew I could beat players and I knew and I needed to be in the right setup to, to advance, if you know what I mean. I don't think in my lifetime that anyone is ever going to score 54 balls again for Ireland ladies team. Where, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where that is going to be a record that probably will never be broke. But somebody winning the FAI award three times, that probably be broke. You know, so that's one of my little accolades that I love that I think nobody will ever break. Having retired from senior club football in 2009, she now works full time with the FAI. Olivia was at Hamden Park last October to see the girls in green make history as Amber Barrett's second half strike booked a ticket for Australia and New Zealand. New Rovers captain Anya O'Gorman was on the pitch that night and Anya earned her 115th cap for her country in the scoreless draw with China last week, moving her just 15 caps behind Olivia's haul of 130. To see my national team play at a World Cup, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, Olivia said in an interview at the time. I've never cried the way I did in Scotland. I never thought I'd be alive to see it. It was the best feeling in the world. Anya, Louise and Diane came over and said, this is for you, Olivia. You are the trailblazer who started it off. Yeah, some great stuff once again. And Prof, a prolific women's team. Absolutely, absolutely dominated the scene. I believe it. In the late 90s, How do we early not know 90s. About this? So a lot of leagues and cups. And uh, the Olivia O'Toole was covered there as well, who uh, I didn't get to see play, but... Um, Obviously, she was a star of the women's game uh, when she was in her prime. So, um, yeah, enjoyed that bit of history. Now, I didn't, I didn't know hardly any of that. Um, 
and some of it came from Robin Browett's book, which uh, which I do have here and I've read a bit of, but I hadn't read that women's chapter, so I checked that out before we, uh, myself and Hannah put this together. Um, so yeah, there you go. As yeah. you say, Gar, Declan went viral this week. <laughs> <laughs> the challenge happened outside the shagging box. Excuse my French. Yeah, so Puff, we're going to talk about the football. Unfortunately. Mental start to the season. We have another 1-1 draw away from home. More red cards and another late equaliser conceded. In draw the prof, we had Johnny Kenny starting. Gaffney on the bench. And Grace was captain. So the so way we lined so that's up... two consecutive captains sent off. So who's going to risk the armband next week? The cursed armband. Yeah. Um, we won't, we'll, we'll delve into the... Bus, first of all. So, in the points, Prof, I was there early enough. I told you half three. I'd be supping on a G. I was bang on time. I actually, no, funny yeah. enough, when you texted me, it was about 37. And I I looked at the point and I had the first sup gone. I was like, I think I got this bang on half three. Mm-hmm. So, milling the points at Guinness. I definitely didn't leave work early for this. I no. left on uh, right on time. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were drinking just outside, weren't we? That's where we watched the... Uh, the Slovan Bratislava game, wasn't it? Yep. We were watching out in the points there two years ago. Um, I should mention, by the way, Lee Grace, that was his 200th appearance for the club. Ah, league, Puff? No, all competitions. All competitions. I would have said, specify. I would have yeah. said league. You have to say if it's league. Um, but uh, not something to celebrate now, unfortunately, after the red card. So no. we got the bus to the Hunky Dory heading the game, Weaver's Willy Wonka Park. <laughs> <laughs> Toffee Pop yeah. Arena 600 travelling hoops up the up the M1 on the Wacky Express uh, you, were, you were drinking the, the Carl's Crown so. yeah I went down to Little it's lovely beer lovely beer there's a stigma t- attached to the beer in Little and Aldi people seem to think it's cheap it's actually the biz that's Carl's Crown and stuff it's the biz uh, the whack was in the mic as he often is yeah uh, on the Wacky Express I think because he, he knew you were on the bus I think he stepped up the charisma he even, even more did you hear him what did he say? This isn't a 50s bus. Oh, I heard that. This yeah, isn't yeah. that. What was it? The Gary Twig. This is the whack. I was like, oh, I was rising up. Shots fired. He wants. He wants it. <laughs> the whack wants the smoke. <laughs> I liked how when um, there was a piss stop, which I wasn't expecting because there was no there was no toilet on I the bus. I instigated this, I'll be honest. And I now I had a couple of points in the pub and then I had a can or two in quick <laughs> succession. And I was thinking I'd be grand. No. It was, it was in bits Whack up Lloyds He was great I wasn't even having cans And I needed it as well And I looked at you Got off the bus And you were like The average age of this Pissed off is about 30 <laughs> Yeah yeah Because <laughs> yeah. all the outfitters None of them got off Yeah yeah uh, So we were kind of Near the back seat We had uh, The likes of Aaron Dunn Rebecca We had the Kinder Bueno King Kinder Bueno King He was chill, the, chill the The back. Fox's Fruits King Yeah as you say No Gaffney's that Bottles made, of vodka And Fox's Fruits That would have made Even better but um, So we got in um, I don't know how long you spent in the pub. I was only I was only in there for a few minutes, and I kind of headed into the match. Yeah, actually, I noticed that because we we couldn't get into the windmill that was gone, that was closed. So we walked down to Mother Kneecaps or Red Caps or whatever it's called. Couldn't get in there because all the youth were swinging out of each other. But then we knocked on the door and we said, "Listen, just a couple of old lads here looking for a point." And then like all these twi- mid twenties fellas just barrel in. <laughs> we were like, "What?" But we ended up getting uh, two points, two lovely points, and then into the game, yeah. prof. Yeah. So uh, and then I was looking around. I was like, "Where's the prof?" Ah, uh, it was just it was taking forever to get served. So I was like, I wanted to go in the match, get me burger. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'll go in." Uh, so I went in. Uh, the service was. 
not great. <laughs> I eventually got my burger. One fella got a part of his bun was so cold he nearly lost a tooth and he had to bring it back again. Um, also, what was annoying me was they were, they were playing John Matson the match of the day over the PA, uh, presumably because Matson had died only uh, shortly before the match. And the fucking speaker was like just beside the food van. <laughs> so you had to, you're, you're standing, you're face to face with her. And you nearly have to shout in her face because the PA is just drowning Chicken yourself. Chicken burger! burger! Yeah. So. The game was interrupted by a drone. Well, I didn't see this, did you? Um, I did see this, yeah. What time was this at? What stage of the match was this? I think it was the first half. Um, But like, does the ref have to stop the match for a drone? Yeah, it's the thing now. It's a cool thing now, isn't it? Who could attack the players? That's what it is. Right. Yeah, it's weird, no? He sees it as a risk. But in fairness, you wouldn't know. It could have a fucking paintball gun attached to it. Yeah. The players are just getting drilled out of it. It's like jackass. But yeah, one fan actually followed it around and uh, <laughs> gave it the middle finger. We won't name but names there. That chased there. it off, that's the thing. <laughs> drone, the drone saw that, he was like, oh. Yeah. Um, talking to McCarty. Um, I was beside I him. I saw he got his hooks in you. Yeah, I was beside him for the match. And he was telling me that, you know the way the manager Doherty is a postman. Yes, there's a good few of them. Uh, apparently he, like, so apparently he was in work. Maybe this interview went up online, but I didn't read it myself. Uh, so he was in work, so like, hyping himself with the Rowers matches, like, okay, we're going to get stuck into these, we're going to beat Rowers and all that. Comes into work, gets a big package delivery. It's member scarves. Member scarves, yeah, it was, yeah, it was true. He was, <laughs> um, he was delivering around Artane, yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's true, yeah. I said he should have done uh, Tommy Cannon. <laughs> so scoreless fourth half, prof. Um, I thought we came out playing well enough. We Trev on the left, Farouge on the right. Three boys centre half. Uh, Poom and Gary O'Neill in the middle. I was always interested in seeing until it all felt shy. But Kenny up front, Bork and Bourne. So uh, Brad just said he was happy with our first half. I thought we were good. And um, we, I was. I was I thought we were we did okay everyone around me thought we were shy and then you came over and, and you said you were happy with us I was like hmm oh I was I happy know. enough to, we were we were being proactive and creative and I wasn't I didn't think it was shy or anything but we've seen somebody's first half where Brazder has the second half in mind and he's sort of putting things in place that's our way maybe it's some of them as you say he sees the colour of the wind sees stuff we don't see but uh, no goals not many, many chances. Like there was no first half chances in the highlights. The highlights actually started on the second half. Mm. Do you notice that? No, he didn't. Yeah, know. he started on the second half. Doesn't no, I, I saw one that it was it was late in the half. Yeah, it was. Mm. It was the Burke. What was it? Shooting into that end. There was definitely chances. We hit the post. And Burke hit the post second Burke half. Had the, was the second half? Yeah, it was. Because that's when we, second half. Yeah. That's when we started applying the pressure. You're actually right. Yeah. No, I didn't think we were terrible. Like it, it was, yeah. it was better. But um, the start of the second half, anyway. But no, Rob Lavelle, Poom running with the ball, right? And I hear Poom. <laughs> I like it. I think it sounds good. I blame Gary. No, that's definitely not my fault. Uh, yeah. So start, start the second, start the second half. Burke at the post, um, scrambled out, and we were all over them for a while. And then we loads of corners. It was this seven-minute spell to start the second half. Yeah, loaded. We forced like. Five or six corners. Did we hit the bar? Was it was a pre or that was after the after goal. the goal? Yeah. So bit of a scramble in the box. Ball whipped in. Graham Borg pokes at home, 
and takes a second goal of the season. Well, so somebody, somebody wants me to just try and describe this goal, so because it was wacky. So yeah, I'll do, scrap, I'll do my best. And wacky, I'll yeah. do my best here. So the corner comes in from Jack. Goalkeeper tries to punch it away, makes a mess of it, but only goes onto his own defender's head on the goal line. Defender heads it away, but only as far as Burke, yep. who's on the left side of the post. He forces it over the line. And I don't know if it goes. He kicked up. it against the keeper and going. So technically, well, it's the keeper it's or the goal. defender. It looks more like an own goal. Yeah, those. That's what yeah. I thought. First time I saw it, it hit yeah. the keeper and went down. But yeah. same way, the keeper palming the ball in. Not going to give that that's, as own goal. That's goals. the best I can describe that goal. But we were playing really well in that period, and we scored on top, which was good. Yeah. But well, ask the question there that I've written there. Do you do you agree with this question? Uh, did we take the foot off the gas at one nil in both games? Now both games. Mm, not necessarily. I think that I felt like we were going to push on after that goal and ultimately get a couple more. But we're like this. We we no. tend to tire teams out in mm. the the last quarter of the game, and this is when mm. we lost the man. So well, now the red cards are the red cards. We will talk about them. But just in general, the two games at one nil. Like Brazer said, we need to be more ruthless and. Do you kill, think there was a bit of lack? Off. There was slight lacks in our play at times. Yeah, you mm. could say that. That's that's a valid point. Well, Grace hits the crossbar, so we could have gone two and up at that point. Um, but then but comes yeah. the madness, right? Lee Grace. Um, it it was a mad decision to even go anywhere near this tackle. He, you could see the second that ball broke, you can understand Grace's mindset is the ball breaks after him making a tackle in the box. It's sprayed out just outside the box to one of their players who mm. he's thinking, lovely roll on it, first time shot, it could be, it could go anywhere. That's what Lee Grace is thinking. And Lee Grace is thinking, I can make this 50-50. I know I'm booked, but he felt like it was a good decision to go for that. It wasn't in the end. It was. I think you're being kind to him. But it, that's his mindset. That's Get, into, get inside Lee Grace. I don't know if I can. <laughs> it's a crazy lunge. Prof, you've been inside Lee Grace before. so <laughs> It's a crazy lunge. You're, by in, a man you're on, in Lee Grace, right? On a yellow card. Yeah, that's what's going on in his mind. But it was a mad decision. He shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have been someone else there. Someone else to help jockey him. But he was on a yellow outside the box. Lunging in like that is crazy. Fucking red all day. I, I actually I missed it. Like I saw the Cleary one, and I was like, "Oh, he's off." I knew that straight away. I, yeah. I missed the Grace one at the time. I had to watch it back on uh, Twitter. But the two of them, there's just no need for either of them, and yeah. and we can have no complaints. Now the, the Cleary one, I think the initial one he shouldn't have been booked. The initial yellow card, he shouldn't. No, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so once again, the player sent off in Drada. We lost last May. We I think it was a Danny sent off. Is it and me or are we... Remember sh- the famous cup defeat with uh, Sinclair Armstrong? Yeah. Uh, Grace was sent off on that one as well, funny enough. Did we struggle that much with ten, when down to 10 men as much as we have in the last two games? They they just seemed like scoring both times. Sligo and Drada. Yeah. When we were down to 10 men. Do you know what I mean? It was just str- a struggle to deal with. Well, Sligo were impressive. Yeah, the Sligo they, were good. The These were just literally give that young fella the ball Number two, Ahui, mm. and let him pump it forward and see how they do. Because we know with, we are totally, totally, av- like, I mean, it's it's unfortunate to have a nine man, but we'll talk about the clear red card. Well, just before the clear red card, they nearly scored a free kick immediately following the grace. Oh, this was nuts. And Did Manus hit it onto the post and then I, catch it? I've watched this a few times. I can't tell what's Strange happening. I thought one, he it? had, I thought it had squirmed in for a second. 
But I was then, thinking to myself, but then he eventually hangs on to it. Yeah, I was thinking, I look as in. Exactly what I was thinking. I said, if that doesn't go in, nothing will. And obviously, I jinxed it, and then <laughs> we had to clear your record. No, it's only you jinxed if you said it loud or put it in a WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Maloney says it. Um, but red cards. Someone takes a little step in front of Cleary with the ball, and he he's committed too early, and they've gone by him, and it's just clumsy, and it's a yellow. It's a yellow all day, and it's a second. A second. Oh, yellow. it's, it's not a red. Oh, absolutely, it's a red card. Um, but the issue is over the first yellow, which Brazzer wasn't happy about, because it was actually Brazzer and Towel were time wasting, and so for some reason Cleary gets booked. Mm. So. Some people are suggesting could we appeal it because it's a case of mistaken identity. That's the only case you can appeal. But you can't appeal yellows, though, can you? That's, no, I think you'd be appealing them all day. Can you appeal a red for a mistaken it's identity? It's 500 quid to appeal. You can appeal a red. But yeah. the thing is, if you appeal the red, are you only allowed to appeal the second decision in a, in a, in a two-booking red? Do you know what I mean? Like I think that's mental. So if you are going to appeal a red card for two bookings... You can only appeal the second yellow or the first. Do you know what I, I mean? Don't, my understanding is you just can't appeal a yellow at but all. If you can, but like that's what I'm saying. You so can only appeal a straight Why red. can you only appeal the second foul that leads to the red? Yeah. Or can you appeal a, a red? You obviously can appeal a red that you get two yellows from. I don't think so. Well, people somebody, people some, can send us yeah, in for wrong, but uh, that is my understanding. But... But because it was mistaken identity, because remember that was mentioned in the rules at the start of the season. Yeah. That is the the one exception. In saying that, the ref could just turn around and say, no, well, I booked him because he was mounting. Well, well, also what Brazzer wasn't happy was, apparently the fourth official said to the ref, no, clearly he wasn't involved in that, it was Tell. And the referee either didn't hear him or ignored him. So that was another very, sticking very point. So at this stage, I'm thinking, okay, nine men, this is going to be a struggle. I just felt it coming especially it just it just happened but there was a mad scramble in the box right 89 minutes Brendan and the last person on the draw mm. the team that you want this to fall to is yeah he buried is his, Ryan his very very good finish pinball around the box hits towel goes like, back out to Deegan Deegan well, takes again, a shot again a bad clearance felt like Gannon was cloud not, was not as bad as the Nugent clearance but not a great clearance from yeah. towel which was Gannon felled in the lead up to it personally at first, first glance in our fantastic view in the away end, I saw Gannon <laughs> being fell and I was screaming for it. I was saying, that's a foul. And then it breaks and he scores. I'm just thinking, the first thing in my mind was that is a foul all day. It was very similar to the Cleary foul. It was late, left the leg in and he went over. So, yeah. fortunately, he got one and then... Um, it just fell for them. Like I'm, I'm criticising the clearance there, but actually rebounds off Ferrugia and then falls perfectly for yeah. Brennan. It's 2023 and we're still talking about Brennan's I know, but um, we were kind of we were trying to see out the game before the goal. Uh, Manus actually got booked. Manus has two bookings already. Three more, and he's um, gone. He actually has as many bookings after two games this season in the league as he has the previous five seasons combined. Alan Manus yellow card fight. A heroic tackle by Gannon. Right at the death. Absolutely they were, outrageous. They were just about to bury it. I was on, going in. In the six-yard box. And the last second, he nicks it off Grimes. Or Grimey, as he likes to be called. So, brilliant tackle by Gunn. Yeah, so we held out in the end for a draw. But they will possibly see it as 
two points dropped really they could have scored at the end and it was what about the peno shout they the had peno shout um, was this madness was it do we really say how we feel <laughs> <laughs> can they look yeah. back on this I'm not saying that I'm not saying that yeah like we say these reds just felt so avoidable like the Pico one I s- I'm still angry about it yep. still angry that we're missing our captain since Finner is not hasn't been available we're well, missing him for prof, a dairy we're still the darlings of the FAO yeah and there was quite there were similarities with the we, just obviously the the red cards and the late goal but Lee Grace I was my man of the match until the red he he was unbelievable same with Sligo man. I thought Pico was man of the match until yeah. the red he so. was superb he was so good but what does that say about how we're playing if a centre half was man the match both times before you know maybe I'm looking too much into it but mm. he was absolutely superb he was brilliant I felt Gary O'Neill was man the match to be honest after everything that happened he was unbelievable at centre half he mopped up everything was class yeah. so some really really good performances I thought Borky played well I thought Jack was on it up to a certain point but listen it's early days people have to relax this is football with some mental circumstances it's a, it's a mental start to the season. It's a mad start to the season. Relax yourself, enjoy the football, and just see see what happens. Jeez, just relax. That's that's all I'd say. I can I can I can see both sides of the view. People are saying like Drada is this look like the weakest Drada side in a while. It possibly was, but once again, but that, we're down to nine men. Yeah, and everybody ups their game when it comes to Rovers. You know that mm. everybody wants yeah. to beat the big boys. So an example of uh, glass half full, glass half empty. Uh, saw that stat on Twitter. We've dropped points when ahead six times since July. All against either Sligo or Drogheda. It's a weird, isn't it? Yeah. I remember, I remember yeah. those games, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Jim Conroy has put a very positive spin on this. He says, we have yeah. one more point than last year's first two trips to Sligo and Drogheda. Because we only had one. Mm. How many points have we had at this season? Now we've got to think about this. Big game on Friday, probably. Let's stop <laughs> this for fuck's sake. So other results. Bowes 2, Dundalk 1. And um, Flores with a sweep, a peach of a goal. And Declan McDade, who got the winner for them. They went 2-0 up. Uh, Pats 1-0. They had their no, no loose. New Dutch, I think, centre-half. He scored. Lay goal against our friend of the show, Connor Kearns. Connor Kearns, yeah. Uh, UCD prof, two. Sligo, three. Max Mata, hat-trick prof. Um, UCD were winning 2-1 with yeah. uh, 20 minutes left. Outside the shagging box. Um, 32, <laughs> Cork nil with a McElhaney goal. And I can't remember who else got it, but boy, fancy football. I'm in two different fancy football things. One where I picked the team. Mm-hmm. I had Doyler as my captain, so I did well with that. Um, who else did I have who else got me some points that would just drive me mad to be honest I'm, I'm loving it though because it's it's a re- it's real like it's, it's good crack who did I bring in this week I brought in dare I say Jack Bourne and he's the skip I want the double points so Jack Bourne and skip are big one this week and um, I'm in another one as well where you pick the scores every week and you get accumulated points as well it's a bit of crack some fella called Joe was doing it I can't, I can't remember I just get emails and then I sit in the back of my predictions and then that's it. He adds up your points. But um, yeah, it's I've been watching the highlights of all the games now because they're up after. There's no real highlight package 
mm. only if you get the season pass. So if you if you don't want to watch the highlights, they're available on everybody's YouTube um, pages afterwards. But big bars, prof. I see green today. His dad in the job. All his Southampton teammates play for St. Pat's now, according to LOI TV graphics. Mm-hmm. Like it's bad. It's bad form, isn't it? The odd one doesn't bother me that much. I've seen people jumping down RT's throats and all that, but it happens a lot, though. It's like, what is the problem there? I want to know the source. Do you know what I mean? I want to know what went wrong for that to happen. How did they actively pick that team and put it in against that crest? That's true. It's not like Sky where it's they you know have I mean? all these live ga- live games and they might have the previous match graphics or something like why. Southampton. Do you know that's what I want to know? Yeah. Is it the case of someone getting fobbed off with this and they're like, here, throw that in there? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, so Bo's Vegetables Prof, we had a cracker of a quote from James Cook. Yeah. He's sending all the I'll... Cook mob in to try and win the Golden Goal every week now. They're ganging them in the LMS group. I have it here, actually, James Cook. He says, So they expect Bo's to spend 37 euro a week on vegetables. 17 euro for their box of vegetables and 20 euro <laughs> to wash the vegetables on the pitch. Never change, Bowles. That's a mad setup. Like, it's so they want. Like, I get what Bowles are trying to do, and I will give them something. Like, they are, they do market their club quite well. Um, and we talked about this on the way home in the car that they pick the causes that no one can hate. Like, no one hates Bob Marley. <laughs> Everybody loves Bob Marley. No one hates Palestine New, except, no except one, Israel. Uh, uh, only only cons hate Palestine and USA. So they're 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 benefiting off of that. Like they're selling mad jerseys because of that. And fair enough, they're doing something for a good cause. But that is the reason they are doing it is to sell jerseys and to make money. Like if they they say anything else, then it is a lie. Obviously, there is some good coming from it, and it's a nice gesture. But it is there's only one reason they're putting these things on their jersey is to sell and to make money for the club. That's how it is. They're talking about building statues already for Deck and Divine. It was just hundred percent record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um as for the subs bench in Daily Mount, an actual Dublin bus bench, an actual Is that was that not photoshopped? Is that an actual no, bus it's, stop? It's real, yeah, they make So it. there's a bus stop beside the dugout. Yeah. Surely they'll take it out for games. What if someone mills in <laughs> Wrapped around the bus stop in Daily Mill. It's a forty-six A as well. Like what does that doesn't even go? Goes to Dunleary. Where's that go? Goes <laughs> to Dunleary. Why not like a nine or something? Um, uh, the Daily Mount, or sorry, the the new away section, which we will be in, not too not too far away now. Is it the away balls game? No. Um, the mono stand. They will actually have toilets. Well, actual. I sent a picture of those toilets to someone in particular. And I said, look, boss, mocking you. <laughs> Fancy new toilets. Pristine and perfect and unbroken. I still never forget that Cork, was it 2017? I used to constantly hear how great a ground Cork was. And they'd say, some people would say, Cork and Tata, best ground in the country. Some people would just say, no, Turner's Cross, best ground in the country. They had no toilets. 2017. Was the first time that Turner's Cross had away toilets. Yeah. Do you remember they done Therefore, it up? Therefore, it cannot be the best ground in the country. Yeah, they actually done it up. Do you remember there was no wheelchair stand? I think they did that up and they had no toilets. Yeah. And we were thinking, Turner's Cross is great. And then when they did do the toilets up, we were like, this is unbelievable. What a ground. Do you remember we did a whole skit on that? 
Yeah, <laughs> we were we were amazed by that had soap and the hand dryers and everything. Um, Adam O'Reilly, more news for Dirty is injured. Um, I'd be looking into where they're training, what they're doing, because McElhaney, well, he scored, he's fit enough, but Duffy's out for a couple of weeks. Um, Adam O'Reilly is out, or could be all smoking daggers, prof. Could be all games. You wouldn't know what they're up to, but um, he's out apparently. And prof, tell us about the LMS, the Tifty's last man standing. Tell us about it. Oh, the only first division club not to win at home, and I went for them on paper. Waterford it was a banger. Half the half the crowd lost this now. And I remember looking at it and thinking, Stephen Henderson, good manager at Longford, he could have them up for this. <laughs> and you said Bray, but they were playing Kerry, and I was like, no, avoid the new clubs. Treaty caused me have a glass season. I looked into it and I said, Ian Ryan, good gaffer. They signed Chris Lyons, goal scorer. Uh, they've called him Mark Yorman. Who got two goals. Who got two goals. Um, playing well from what their uh, fans are saying online. And then I just thought, Kerry with all the hullabaloo and hype about them, they will fail to pick up points for at least three games. And they won't three one. This has Me and Fikra, Obrolchan, handshake emoji. Bray. <laughs> Garrett, this has demoralised me, this this result. I, I've decided I'm going to knock myself out. Just as the full-time whistle went, I think I went off to you, I was like, what for Drew? I'm like, no! <laughs> I've decided I'm going to knock myself out, Garrett, in week two. No, I'm, I'm, get I'm, out of it. I'm going to pick Rovers to win. So that'll just knock me out, and then it'll be done with. Yeah, so, yeah, Prof, the, I, I'm looking at this week, and I haven't thought about too much yet. Because I've got a life left, you know, I can afford to kind of mess around here, you know, go a bit adventurous. Unlike you, you're going to have to struggle, you're going to have to really make a tough decision here, so. <laughs> I was going mad. Uh, yeah, so that's it, the last man's down. And the golden goal, we have another one, Prof. We have a good spot prize. It's a mystery match-worn jersey. Mm-hmm. Navy one with the green collar, remember that one? I saw cool. somebody say Berkey, but it's obviously Jaden, right, isn't it? <laughs> That's what I kept saying. I said to Larry, Larry, they all think it's Berkey. I said, this is this is ridiculous. Berkey, if you lost like 30 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Same frame and all. <laughs> Same, like, sh- colour skin. <laughs> but everyone's like, Berkey, Berkey. I'm like, you're going to be so disappointed when you get this. Yeah. Well, it's a lovely match worn jersey. You can get your fivers in with the GG. Uh, big, big events with Senior Cup news. First of all, Dundalk have put in the peel. To be no longer banned from the Leinster Senior Cup, and uh, looks like it's going to be successful. Successful, and then, yeah. Secondly, uh, I saw that we were down to play Bray that quarterfinal game Sunday, but now apparently it's going to be on a Monday, maybe in about two weeks. Um, I don't know if that's been confirmed, but uh, yeah, you can look forward to that. The, the dart to Bray on a Monday night. What more do you want? <laughs> the Leinster Senior Cup. Absolutely broken on the way home. Absolute. Banker for a nil-nil and penalties in the rain. Oh god! Uh, Hull prof reportedly investing in Dundalk, and we were listening to this on the way home as well. They have been whoever whoever's involved. I think it's a Turkish owner, and um, they've been talking to everybody and talking to shells. They've been talking to Bray, 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 Bray. They no, were sitting in the stands for the Pat Shells game too, yeah. weren't they? So they're looking around, and they Dundalk have Dundalk chairman Sean O'Connor has said that it's no longer going forward. So they have halted their talks. Like I mean, Dundalk mm. realistically, like the, these guys who sold to Peak Six initially, came in and bought it back 
at a cheaper price, I think it was. So made a few quid, sold the club and came back. And they're seen as saviours, supposedly. I find this nuts that they actually entered into negotiations again to resell the club. If Because they haven't got it in, in good hands. Like, I mean, Rovers sold 25%, but we still have the majority of fan-owned there. Like, it's, I mean, 75% fan-owned, realistically. Technically, 50 we consider a 75. Yeah, certainly do. And it's... Uh, People there making good decisions for the club. But this one is just odd. Do you know what I mean? I mean Yeah, I thought it came out of nowhere. I didn't really understand it. Yeah. Um And ultimately the investment was needed in Rovers to kind of propel us to the next level. And look at us now. Since the investment on paper I think all um, the rest of the clubs will realise that this hybrid model is yeah. the way forward. And once again I think I heard on Twitter of the Dundalk, the Men Who Save Football podcast they were saying ultimately that Bowes are a feeder club, which it's hard to admit. Yeah. It's hard to admit. Was this after they beat them? Yeah, it was. There were several grapes involved, <laughs> yeah. right? But this, it ultimately is a little bit true. Like, I mean, year after year, their best players go to Rovers. Feeder club is obviously a der- not derogatory term, but it's a piss take. But mm. when something happens consistently, year after year, and it fits into a certain description, it kind of is what it is. And um, I think what they mentioned about being happy to exist was hammered home again. Some of those phrases you have used on this show before. They are happy to exist rather than win trophies. Personally, I I like existing. I think it's great having a football club. I like challenging for for, for trophies as well. While still holding on to our identity. So, uh, I mean, I'd love to hear certain people at Bowes and hear their thoughts on the whole Wrexham saga as well considering they're so close and they're tight knit with those and it's a it's a club connection same way we would have a Cliftonville and stuff like that I'd love to hear their thoughts on the massive success that is Ryan McElhinney and or Rob McElhinney and Ryan Reynolds taking over Wrexham building a new stand they knocked down the cop they're building a new mm. stadium they've got the Kings of Leon playing there in I April I haven't watched that series yet but probably neither have I but mm. Reliably informed, it's fantastic. But keep, I'm, I have a keen interest in Wrexham now. I love that bootlegger guy, Jay Thomas. He's brilliant on Twitter. He has his own beer. He's really deeply embedded in the club. That's Wrexham, not all just Jay Thomas. See no. this whole Bowles connection to Wrexham. I'd say it's about one percent of our fan base that possibly have a connection with Bowles. I couldn't care for that. I think Wrexham are a cool club. Some great fans there who don't even know about the Bowles connection. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I think they are a cool club and they're going places. There's money being put into them. They've been bought up by big corporate monsters. Oh, the whole thing they did, that they did, McElhenney and Reynolds, it was absolutely genius. What genius. did they pay, like two million or I'm something? I'm not sure, Some but tiny fucking amount. fucking genius. They're smart investors and they've ultimately done it for a Netflix series and they're going places. You could say it's a play toy for them because they have a few quid. Like Ryan Reynolds' mm. portfolio is absolutely insane. Aviation gin. He's got tech companies. He's really good. But... I've no ill will towards that, but I'd love to hear what if Bo's got that opportunity. I seem that I reckon they are primed for something like that. I think you you got to get with the times. The fact is, ourselves and Derry, and obviously Pats have really invested in the team this season, so maybe you can lump them in too. Mm. But we're gonna pull away from the rest. I think the, the top if, two have pulled away already. Yeah, and if. As Lambert and Bowes, have they locked themselves in this 100% fan-owned philosophy? But I want to know how how much locked how how locked in are they as regards to the 
they majority of the board that exists there and they the can people, just change their mind next week true but who, whoever is there a majority that run the club that want to be perceived as this club because I know I think it was John O'Connor the former president he was totally open to investment I think he was the president or something along those lines he wanted to he was like yeah I totally agree with it I think it's a great idea if you can do the right deal which is what we did ultimately but mm. it's taking up a chunk of the show here prof we move on yep Oidemo Maku, do do do, came on for his male Millwall debut. So congrats to Oidemo. Great to see him come on and, and do a bit. Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, great interview with the club chairman, Kieran Medlar, in the Irish Times as well. Savvy appointment, prof. Mm-hmm. It's um, I think people like this involved with the club to bring us to the next level is, is no offence to anyone else. It's needed. I think there's certain levels and... I think Kieran is he's a he's a great representative. Uh, Robbie Keane he's represented for years. I think he does all the FAI the players dealings with the FAI. Um, I think it's a great guy to have involved with the club, a professional who can bring us to the next level like IOU have as well. So, um, that's all stuff that we shouldn't really be listening to or talking about as fans. You know that's the way the club is run. But I think I think like you look on paper, it's it's been successful ever since the investment. We've won leagues. We've won trophies. Roadstone has flourished. It's been successful. It was very forward thinking that began absolutely three four years ago, and it's come to fruition. And uh, it was a, it was a fascinating read. So I love that kind of business behind the scenes. Yeah, you don't savvy. often see those articles. Like you don't see them too often. Yeah. So it's cool when they pop up, and it gives you kind of mm, I like yeah, this, it's I like cool, what's yeah. been happening by, uh, at board level and stuff. So Rovers are in the March issue of World Soccer. Oh, lovely prof, me and your Bible growing up. Uh, they tweeted, Shamrock Rovers will be bidding to make it four titles in a row. Much of the credit for their recent success goes to manager Stephen Bradley, born just two miles from Talat Stadium. So a feel-good factor there. But um, Someone being really pedantic on Twitter, saying, oh, but the stadium didn't exist when he was born, so he can't be born two miles from it. Get a life, pal. Get a life. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. Um... Gent be quite a bag on penalties, Prof. Um, Tommy Tarmy wearing his uh, new scarf as he watched that game. Yeah. <laughs> um, best of luck to Tommy Stewart as he embarks upon his new role as head coach of Swedish Division 2, Norland side. Oh, I can't wait for this. Jetterhordgals, <sighs> IK. So, what does the IK part? There's a couple of uh, clubs, IK in it. So, Jetterhordgals, IK. So, good luck to Tommy Stewart. And uh, I'm wondering if he'll take up a little bit of a yeah. a singing role. I just <laughs> sing some Swedish. Yeah, we interviewed him last year, didn't we? Anthems. Yep. Yeah. Senior Rovers women's team were beating three one in a friendly with Glentoran. Roadstone. So getting the friendlies under the belt and the minutes into the legs for the women prof. Well, that's the last one, isn't it? That's that's their pre-season finish now. That's it. Uh, match tickets are on sale for their first three league games and sponsorships are available for the players and staff. Don't forget Blake Brothers as well. Sponsor the women's team this season and you can get in with a season ticket for the your actual season to get you into these games as well so we'll be mm-hmm. pushing a big big attendance for the very first game of the season in March so stay tuned for that yeah so first league game away to Sligo on Saturday yeah um, as we've been saying we had two players in the Ireland squad Abby Larkin she started against China uh, for Ireland scoreless draw on Tuesday and Anya O'Gorman came off in the second half for her 115th cap Um possibly could be having a chat with Anya on next week's show which won't be a Tifties first girl. oh yes a woman, woman's footballer on Tifties and by the way the ladies are taking over next week 
because it's happening again. We have the all-female Tifties hotline. Oh, yeah. So brace yourselves. The women are taking over next week. The women are taking over. So the Newt's North stand, Prof, it's really taking shape. I like the side of it. Every stand is different in Tala. I think it's it's cool, but the side of it go like a... It's like a fin off of... I don't know, it's weird. The, yeah, the sides it's are cool. they're really quirky. Yeah, quirky. That's a good way. Um, it's... I don't think it's going to provide much coverage no, from the rain. coldest, wettest, windiest stand in the world. When the when that cup blows in after the week, I was taken aback when I saw the shape of it. it was well, like, I'm buzzing to get involved. You want to be in the back seven rows to get out yeah. of the rain. I'm buzzing for it. Love, I can't wait to, to actually watch a game. In it. The what? Academy results, prof. We have the Roadstone Project winning starts for our 17s, 15s, and 14s. But the 19s went down to an injury time goal. I didn't see the 19s result, prof. I must have got it late. Garth's boys are now 17s, am I right? So we uh, have no 15s, 15s now, yeah. So it is um 2 1 Shelbourne beat the 19s. So unlucky there. We had the 17s 3 0 away to Galway, 5 1 win for our 15s, and uh, our 14s 4 0 win against Bray. So plenty of goals, but very, very unfortunate against Shells. That's when um, it's really competitive at 19s. There's no real hammerings in their own Dublin. Uh, our 12s as well they're through to the last 16 of the SFA Ireland Cup they beat Park Villa with um, this morning in a cracking game of football prof and we have Glimmerlore prof the Glimmerlore section is back we've no voice no no space invaders from Tommy Kelly this week <laughs> but we have a uh, what have we got what with Bully what, what can we come up with Woolies. oh I'm normally good at the alliteration but you're putting me in the spot here we'll take us up yeah so Glemelor travelled to Newlands on Saturday to take on Tallet United despite struggling with injuries they fielded a strong start in 11 Tallet United sat deep and defended their box manfully with Glemelor trying to control the game and play in their opponent's half the game was level at half time then Glemelor came out steaming in the second half not in any other way but they came out flying so in the case um, play across the middle between Nathan O'Reilly James McCormick Aaron O'Brien and James Wall opened the home team up on several occasions the deadlock was broken midway through the second half when Aaron O'Brien picked up the ball in midfield and charged at the Tala defence and a beautiful pass down the left slipped James McCormick in behind the fullback he drove towards the end line and cut the ball back to O'Brien who continued his run received the ball and delightfully chipped the on-Russian keeper. So we want to know if it was a chimp, a chimp, a chip, a dink, a lob. It you can be lost clar- in you translation. Have you have to clarify. Not long after Shane McCarty was rewarded for his hard work up top when he fired home from close range. A well-earned three points for Glenmore against a tough tally United side. Special mention to Nathan O'Reilly and Shane Hanrahan who dominated the game in the midfield. Oh, I think I have a... Woolies right up. Woolies right up. Yeah, there you go. Now, phonetically, it doesn't sound like, but it is two Ws. There you go, yeah. So, Woolies right up. And, um, yeah, so brilliant stuff for Glamour, who still stay top of the league, as far as I know. So, it's a long slog ahead of them. They have to keep up on top of the pace. So, check them out Saturdays in Walkstown Park. Keep an eye on their socials. Prof. It's coming up, Prof. We have the quiz. It's that time again. I have the actual quiz here. Are we going to do it the same way that we did it last week? Uh... If you have it there, then just yeah, I have the load, actual one because pe- people have been loading it up all day. It's getting quite popular, right? So here we go, Prof. It's Tuesday trivia. Oh, Don't yeah. forget to check it out every Tuesday. Um, the Prof comes up with the with the quiz and uh, continues to frustrate people. He's getting his timer up. I only get two minutes. Everybody else gets three. 
Some yeah. people get Google. <laughs> well, it all adds to the comedy. All adds so, to the comedy. So, I have time ready. Let's go. Is there a team? A theme? No, no. All Rovers? No, all Rovers. Right, you ready? So we got three, Here we two, go. one, and go. Okay, who Billy Wood signed for Rovers from which club in 1998? Parted down Tramere Rovers, Cliftonville, Cork City. That's a bit of a... I know this one is Tramere. Oh, no, wait! Parted down? He said it in the, <sighs> in the thing. How many red cards has Lee Grace received in his Rovers career? Ooh, three, five, four, or six. I'm going to go four. No. Oh, bad start. What? what oh, five? Oh, I'm not even gonna, I don't even want to know which ones. Who managed the hoops for just one game between Trevor Crowley and Pat Fennin's reign? Price, Hawkins, Gill, Cronin. Who managed the hoops for just one game between Trevor Hall, Trevor Crowley? Ooh. Um, but Hawkins was the B. I'm going to go Hawkins B. No. John Gill. <laughs> Who scored? There's logic here. Logic. It's all about logic. Who scored the winning goal in Rovers? 1-0 win over Derry in Tala last May. Danny Mandroyu, Graeme Burke, Andy Lyons, Rory Gaffney. Oh my God. May we only talked about to last be honest week. I forgot this deal um, they only brought 350 people I'm going to go down Andrew yes yep which player netted the winner a 1-0 win over the Candy Stripes and Talent last October Dan Cleary Roberto Lopez Graeme Bork Rory Gaffney which player netted the winner and a 1-0 win over the this Candy this was our Stripes. last home game last of the season. home game of the season 1-0 win it was it was Danny again no wait Danny was gone oh uh, Rory Gaffney yes yep 44 seconds. Only Marcus Poom, which other players stayed all for four competitive games this season? Cleary, Watts, Grace, Fruja. Fruja. No. Watts. <laughs> uh, which of these players does not have all four league medals in the four in a row? Mick Neville, Pat Bourne, Kevin Brady, Mick Bourne. Mick Neville, Pat Bourne, Kevin Brady, Mick Bourne. Uh, Kevin Brady. Kevin Brady. No. Mick Bourne. <laughs> uh, Rovers' first game at the RDS was in what year? 92, 89, 91, 90. Oh, I thought it was 94. I'm going to go 1990. Correct. Yes, Pat Snillall. Who scored the first ever goal at Tele Stadium? Desi Baker, Stephen Bradley, Podrick Hammond, Gary Twig. It was Desi Baker. Second ever goal. Second ever goal. Who's oh yeah, Gary Twig? Sligo. No. Oh shit. Oh, I'm never gonna live this down. <laughs> Where's the former drummer? Uh, Dan Murray from Leicestershire, Cambridgeshire, North Hampshire, Oxford. I started so finish. <laughs> Oxfordshire, Leicestershire, Cambridgeshire, North Hampshire. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck off. He's fucking. What's what is it? What's his accent? Leicestershire. I'm going to go Cambridgeshire. Yeah. There you go. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. What the hell happened to you with the the Tata goal? You read it out wrong, but you were going for Baker. And then I said second, but then you changed the twig. It was the first. disaster. I don't know what happened there. Disaster. But um, yeah, Billy signed from Porter Down. Uh, Lee Grace's red cards. Two Andrada. Go on. So last week's. And yeah, the and cup, the cup. In the cup last season in Derry. When he was hit in the face against Boz and in Cyprus, five red cards. Cyprus. Um, oh, yeah, cards. what else? The players who 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 didn't have the all four medals in the four in a row. Uh Mick Byrne and Noel Larkin came in in eighty four to replace Retired Noel Larkin. to replace yeah. Campbell and Buck up front, so he does not have all four medals. Um so yeah, there you go. Yeah. Alright, so prop next up. We have Billy Woods. So delighted to be joined out by Billy Woods, former Rovers and Cork winger. He spent four years with the Hoops from 1998 to 2002. Uh, very, very popular figure at the time. So welcome to the podcast, Billy. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Um, delighted to be here. Uh, you started out with Middleton in your, your junior club days. Is that where you're from in Cork, is it Middleton? Yeah, I'm from Middleton, yeah. So uh would have been a very small club when I was um, starting out, country club. Um, it's developed 
and grown over the years. They've excellent facilities. They actually played Shamrock Rovers in a cup final last year under 12s or 13s, I can't remember, um, in Turnus Cross. So it's a progressive club. It's got bigger, 800, 900 kids playing for the club. Um, basically waiting on an Astro now for the, one of the second pitches or third pitch. Um, and I think, you know, what happened pre-COVID is that they had sports capital grant in place, they had the finance in place. And then when COVID came out, whatever, the, the just the prices of everything were blown up really so that that's kind of delayed the process but yeah that would have been my my, my club growing up the whole way my, my three kids would play with them now so your senior career begins with a stint uh with coventry at the time there was a strong irish contingent you had tony sheridan willie Baldwin. they did get a taste of premier league action you were 18 or 19 at the time unfortunately you couldn't make the same breakthrough at highfield road no um I suppose the gap between um, playing first team for I probably wasn't ready in all honesty that was Premier the Premier League had just started my second year there um, with a big Irish community in, in terms of um, lads that were there Jerry Carr if you don't remember Jerry he scored a cup winner in a cup final one time for Sligo Gavin O'Toole from Tala um, Carl Wilson who's two boys played with Shells Tyreek and John Ross um, they were all there with us um, fantastic experience great club loved my time there but I suppose I wasn't really ready to play at that level, um, 18-19, to be honest. Um, Tony Sheridan was there. Tony was gifted. Um, Willie Bowden was there. Willie would have been a fantastic little player too. Uh, came back to Cork in, in 90, pretty much late 93. Um, Cork had just won the league. They'd just beaten Rovers the year before to win the league. And it was a good battle then that season between Rovers and themselves. Rovers ended up winning the league in 94. Um, so yeah, pretty much came back and then established myself in the first team of Cork, and then was was forced to go back to Tranmere then second time to England. Yeah, it took you a while to break in at Cork because you were you were a centre forward competing against Caulfield and Morley. Yeah, uh, but once you did get in, you, you flourished then eventually. Yeah, as with Damien was been my manager at the time. Um, I suppose the team was settled. You had you had Anthony Buckley or Tommy Gainer wide right. Johnny Glenn on the other side, uh, Anthony Buckley then would have played, who won the league in 93, and then you call Phil Morley up front. Very difficult, very challenging. So that was probably the hardest time in my career, really, trying to come back from the UK and trying to get first-team experience. Just couldn't get a sniff, got a couple of games off the bench, couldn't break in. The lads played every week, really, call Phil Morley. And um, it wasn't probably till the following summer. And when we came back, that I got in. And that's when I probably ended up playing wide left or wide right for for a rope or for Cork then, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that year really. Uh, I've got some questions from former Rovers teammates, which I'll I'll hit you with throughout the show. Um, one is from from Derek Tracy, but his question is actually related to your first season at Cork. That's why I've I've put it in here. But he says a uh, brilliant guy and player uh, is Billy. But he wants to know if this story is true or not. He says, the story is as follows. Noel O'Mahony was the manager of Cork. Uh, the two boys who were only kids were on the bench. and The opposition just scored their second goal to go 2 nil up. Noel was getting stick off the Cork crowd and turned around to his assistant manager and said, sure, what can I do? The bench is shit. That is, that is a true story. That is a true story. So we went, Damien was manager and we were top of the table. Damien quit. And Noel Manny came in. I played the first couple of games. Then we went to Rovers. It was definitely over Christmas and New Year's Day in, in the RDS. And myself and Gary Cronin got dropped for just... And uh, <laughs> he basically turned around and he just said, look at the shit I have on the bench. I can't make any subs. So <laughs> myself and Gary just started laughing. Just what could you say? But that is a true story. That is a true story, yeah. <laughs> Did the crowd laugh? 
Uh, that was, it was, to be fair, it wasn't directed at the crowd. It was more directed at, at the Alex Ludzik. God rest him. It was more directed. Alex was number two at the time. Uh, and Tony Harris was our Jerry Harris was there and it was more directed it wasn't for the crowd really that's Derek has taken artistic license no saying that but um, yeah <laughs> but I, I'm career I'm, I'm gas. I'm laughing he remembers that it's a good story though <laughs> yeah more to come from uh, ex Robbers teammates but the, your second season at Cork was uh, golden for you hit double figures you won the league young player of the year you won an Ireland under 21 cap so as a result you uh, caught the eye of the English scouts once again as you say you, you go to Tranmere yeah, with the tremor. I, look, I suppose I had a good year that year. You end up winning Young Player of the Year. Your National League, we had a good run. Derek would have played National League. We we played Gothenburg and we played Northern Ir- or the Northern Irish League and in Wales and stuff. So I was kind of supposed for a young lad playing the first team of Cork. It was um, came to the end of the season. Then Cork was just I got a bit messy really with Nolan Manny come in and the club was kind of in a bit of hassle and. Um, I suppose I had a choice between kind of three or four clubs in England, really. And uh, it was kind of Tranmere, um, and it came to, down to Tranmere and crew. And I chose Tranmere. Um, probably made a mistake, really, in, in all honesty. Probably crew at the time would have had, and I look back now, they, um, Neil Lennon, um, a friend of mine actually was that crew, a lad that was a commentator, it was called Martin Booty, and he rang me and said, listen, you should sign here, you'll play. And I was humming and hawing and I signed for Tramber. But Neil Lennon, Danny Murphy, Robbie Savage, they were all playing there. And your man said to me, listen, you're going to play. The manager, Derek Guy said, you're going to play wide left. These are the other three in the middle of the park. They'll get you the ball, blah, blah. But I ended up signing for Tramber. Um, again, just didn't really figure. Uh, floating around. Played every game pre-season. First game of the season. Then we played Wolves. And I thought, be, I thought I'd be on the bench. Hopefully get a run. And I wasn't on the bench. And at the time, it was two subs. And um, just never played really. And then went out on loan, had a month at Blackpool, did okay at Blackpool, came back and then just saw the season out and decided I wanted to come home um, to Ireland at the time. So that was it, yeah. Yeah, it was John Aldridge who was player manager the second season. He didn't yeah, seem all to was fancy manager, yeah. Team. To be fair, listen, it was all those first job. I, I, not against John, he was nice to me, he's a decent fella, but he just didn't, you know, I wasn't... I didn't figure in his plans and that's that was it really. You know, he, he had and in fairness to Tramer they had some very good young players coming through at the time. I, I ended up playing left back or left wing, and the lad that was kind of coming into the first team to play left back was a boy called Alan Rogers, he ended up being number two at Sligar for a while. But like Tramer ended up selling Alan Rogers for two and a half million to Forrest. So I mean, listen, you're you're not gonna displace him really when when he's coming through and he's such a good player. But um that was it. I enjoyed my time there. Uh, my wife actually came to to England went to so she was in university there at the same time I was there so in 97 then we just decided to come back or whatever so it was grand before you did decide to come home there actually was an offer there to go to Preston under David Moyes but you turned it down it actually it wasn't Moyes wasn't the manager Moyes was the resi manager at the time it was a fella called um, something it was a Steve Gary Peters and I had played so they brought me up and he said to me Gary Peters ran me up and said listen will you play a resi game and uh, so I played and Moyes was the manager and Kevin Kilban was there at the time and you like he was a first team player but so yeah basically Preston offered me two years and I just had enough because I suppose I felt that I'd wasted two years at Tramway really I hadn't played and I just had enough and I didn't want to I didn't want to join like, they were a division below Tramway they were league one time but I, I just made this I just didn't want to go through the house and not playing and been in and out of the team and drifting so I just had enough basically in all honesty 
you could have come to Rawers a bit earlier. I, I believe there was offers there from Rawers and Cork, but you spent one season at Parted Down, uh, 97, 98, before McBurn brings you to Rawers. So was just talk about, I suppose, going from Parted Down and then how did the move to Rawers happen? Uh, so went to Parted Down. Parted Down had tried to, Ronnie McFall had tried to sign me a couple of times and basically made me decent off for a year. Uh, there was myself, Vinnie Arkins, ex-Rovers, uh, Martin Russell, Gary Haylock, John Toll, ex-Rovers. Um, so we had five or six lads going up in the car and uh, I, I just basically played a year and then Mick rang me one day out of the blue and said, would you like to have a chat? Uh, I didn't know Mick. I'd never met Mick before, really. I played against Mick at Monaghan when he was coming towards the end of his career, but I uh, met Mick, lovely fella, and uh, Rovers had done well the previous year. Um, 96, 97, so made the decision to sign and love my time. But first year, I have to say the first year Rovers, I, I struggled really. I didn't play well. I was in and out of the team. The team were up and down. Uh, kind of we were chopping and changing weekly and I was, you know, so I didn't, I didn't probably play anything like I should have played in the first year and Mick unfortunately lost his job and Mick's a gentleman really and I would have a lot of time for him. But in the first year and my year under Mick, I just didn't play well. That's, I suppose that's the only regret I have at my time at Rovers that I didn't show what I was like for Mick, really, you know. And I meet Mick and I meet him time to time, but he's a he's a terribly nice fella. Um, and I suppose I have a sense of guilt in that way, and that I did, you know, he signed me. Hopefully, signed a few pairs, and I probably didn't play as well as I should have, really. Yeah, like you said, that first season was disappointing, but there was some interesting stories that came out of it. For example, your debut was actually in Turkey against uh, Aldi Spore and I've talked to yeah. a number of players from that game and uh, it was a crazy atmosphere a crazy pre-match what, what memories do you have of that night? I, I remember a goat been sacrificed on the side of the pitch and the players coming out and blessing themselves before the game the two stands two stands bouncing I, I think we were I think we were one up I don't know Derek score a header did we go one up or one all or something very early on and then yeah. um, it was searing heat we played well out there actually we should in hindsight, we, we probably should have knocked that team out. Um, we won the home leg, but we didn't. We we conceded. I can't. We got to concede a goal from a corner or a free kick something in the home leg. But we should have knocked them out really. But again, they were they were. We had some very good players in that team. Tony Cousins, Mark Kenny, Derek, Tommy Dunn. Some really good players in that team. You know, great lads, brilliant lads. Really, to be fair. Um, and I suppose that season we just kind of hit a wall really. And we struggled confidence wise. And obviously that coming out and Mick losing his job then, which is unfortunate. Yeah, there was also a Super Cup win. Unfortunately, that's as good as I got for Rovers with, with trophies. Yeah. The FAI Super Cup, beating your former club, I think, in the final. Um, There was also the Jason Sherlock helicopter in Paddy Buffet. Do you recall this? I do, yeah, I do, yeah. Jeez, that was that was. I, 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 I'm sure we lost that night in Bowen Valley Buffet. Did we? Did we lose that? I can't remember. I mean, yeah, Jason I, lost both games, the the guy yeah. and, the, and the football game. Yeah, I remember at the time, like, and I suppose Jason was high profile at the time, but I suppose like it wouldn't happen now, really, in terms of League of Ireland. But we, I suppose Jason was trying to keep both things going, challenging for him in the sense that you know he loved both codes. Um, but getting a helicopter, I mean, it's not, it's not preparation you need for a match and we we lost up there that night I remember remember losing up there I think towards the end of the season one night we were over 4-1 up there under under Mick I'd say we got battered up there one night and it was just like it was a disaster it was just disappointing but the, yeah that was I suppose at the time Jason was high profile and you know he was struggling to make a go of both and he obviously made a decision to focus on Gillette football then eventually 
As a couple of fan questions. This one seems kind of random, although what's interesting about it is it, it was Stephen Kenny's first season in management because he was manager of Longford Town. So a fan Tommy asked, do you remember getting knocked out of the Leinster Senior Cup by Longford when their ground was basically a field? So this actually would have been a young Stephen Kenny's first I, season. I remember, I remember playing down there under Stephen Kenny when he was starting out. I don't because I remember it's uh, we I I don't remember getting knocked out of the cup down there, but I do remember playing down there under Stephen Kenny at the time because I knew he he was he involved with Talatown or something like that, and he just got the job down there. I think he come from yeah. Pat's underage to Talatown or whatever and gone there. But um, yeah, I do I don't remember getting knocked out in all honesty down there. No. And just sticking to away games, when you had to go to Cork uh, with the Rovers, would the, the Cork fans be on your back? Oh, I used to get hammered. I used to get hammered. But I suppose it was because, I, I suppose that year I could have signed back for Cork and I didn't want that. I wanted to stay in Dublin. I was in UCD at the time in college, so I wanted to stay in Dublin. But um, yeah, I used to get hammered. And most, you know, I suppose, look, I, I would have grown up uh, since 84 watching Cork games with my friends. We would have gone every Saturday or Sunday, really, at the time. But um, yeah, so I suppose they were kind of some of them were instigating that really the songs and the abuse and the slag, but it was grand. It was nothing too major, really. You know, nothing, nothing like some people get. And I, it didn't bother me really in the end. When you look at Tata Stadium now, uh, the new the fourth stand is about to be completed in uh, about three or four months' time. You actually trained in Tata when it was just a building site. Uh, what are your memories from that? Yeah, it was it was a building site. It, like it's incredible now because I've been there um numerous occasions last uh with Cork City when myself and Tommy were doing the team and under John Cole the time, but um fantastic We we my time at Rovers we were nomadic really, we were floating around between I mean I like I can't even remember to be a five or six home grounds or whatever, and it was just a disaster in the sense that you couldn't put down roots and you didn't have a base. But I look at Tallinn now. I mean, it's it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It's incredible. It's a credit to the club. I've been out to the training ground numerous occasions. My kids' teams have played out in Rovers training ground, the Roadstone. Fantastic. It's like a, it's like you know, it's it's the equivalent of what you get in the UK, if not better, at some clubs. And it's a credit to the club and what they've done over the last since my time ended there. But the ground, the training ground, is amazing. The club is run in a professional capacity, and Rovers is thriving. And you know, I'm delighted to see it. I was just reading that you retired in 2008 and then you came back in 2010 first division. So since Tala was opened in 2009, does that mean that you didn't actually play there? Never played there. Never played there. Been involved. Played, was numerous times there with um, with uh, Cork City and been there with my kids at games, but never played there. No, I would love to play there. Stadium looks amazing. Or well, the pitch looks amazing. The stadium is amazing, but the pitch looks beautiful. Yeah. Um. Another message from Robbie Horgan. He says that you two traveled a lot together uh, to training. He says he says you played left back and left wing. So he reckons you're ahead of your time because you could probably fit in as a wing back in any system now. Uh, I suppose, what do you reckon about that? How would you think you would fit in in modern football? I suppose, uh, I don't know. Look, I don't know. You know, I, I like I was I was actually right footed, but I, I probably was way more comfortable playing left side, uh, either left back or left wing. I suppose as you get older, your pace kind of dwindles and you kind of drift back. But like I played, finished up at Cork City, I was 36, 37, playing left back in the first division. I, I retired to 2008 um, under Alan Matthews and then I came back because Tommy asked me to come back for a year in the first division. I played months, months in the league with Middleton. 
to come back and play then for a season. But um, I, I don't know. Look, I suppose if you're cute enough and you're clever enough, you could probably play most positions, really, um, if you're not too reliant on your pace. And I wasn't towards the end. I could just sit in left back and be comfortable there, you know. And finally, there was a quip from Robbie. He said uh, he, he nearly needed a translator with you and Cronin, being from Cork, and he needed a dictionary for Damien Richardson. I actually found somebody. Somebody sent me. Um, somebody sent me a, a program quote there from Rovers. I don't know if there was an online or whatever about one of Damien's quotes. But um, yeah, as your Damien, they, I Damien used to do that to just I don't know just to wind people up. But I I had uh, when Damien came to Rovers like three years under Damien and uh, he's a gentleman. I ended up playing nearly seven and a half years under Damien between Cork twice and Rovers, and I got on great with him. Now he was hard as nails and he was ruthless. Um. But behind it, then he was a great fella. He was a great fella. But uh, myself and Garrett, yeah, we, we, Garrett and I would have been thick as thieves back in the day then. I suppose the Cork accents would have come out. And Tommy Dunn used to say that the crankier I got, the the more Cork I sounded. You know, but I don't know. That's it. As you said, we bounced around all these different home venues. It was uh, Martin Stadium for a couple of years. How did you find Santry as a venue? Because a lot of ex-players have sort of complained about it. <sighs> Disaster, really. Tiny, no, um, no atmosphere. The ball going off the pitch, you know, that was used to drive me mad. The ball went over the side. You couldn't get the ball back in quickly. Um, it was a very difficult time. And I, I remember, you know, Joe Caldwell invested obviously a lot of time finances into the club, and it was so challenging. We went. Pats we played at home. Rich, uh, Richmond Park, Talca, um, Santry. Uh, very, very difficult. I, I remember when I was playing for City at the time, actually, Rovers, I think when Terry was there, they ended up playing a home game in Cork. Am I right in saying that? Did they play? Did Rovers yeah, play 2003, game? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, how challenging is that for a club to keep it going? You know, and I don't think, to be fair to Rovers, I don't think there's many clubs in the country, bar Rovers, that could keep that going for that length of time, you know, not having a ground and trying to keep it going, financing the club and stuff like that. But it was difficult for us to play in Santry in the sense that it was so small, so compact, atmospheres were bad. Sunday afternoon is I didn't think it was an ideal time to play games. It probably obviously from the eighties it was, but as we moved on then to the start of the two thousands, probably Friday nights would have been better for us and would have suited us better, but it's the way it went. You had Sean Francis on last year. He was a great character. Do you remember his celebration on the podium when he scored a goal in Santry? No, did he do the 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 what was it that Wave thing on the ground. What was is that? What he did? No, I think he just stepped up on the podium, like as a celebration after he scored. Yeah, great a, lad, Johnny. Running great track lad. and all that. Yeah, very good player. Great lad. Great lad. Uh, Tommy, unfortunately, has gone there. He wants to know about the six four the balls. Uh, oh, how horrendous was this? Disaster. Yeah, I see it on Twitter. It comes up there at the anniversary, and I st- it still kills me. Four went up a half time cruising, and just and then. Oh, disaster. Just like hard to talk to, really. This was the thing about it after. I mean, obviously, you know, the story with Dave Smith and you know all that. And um, difficult, difficult, but like just one of those days, bizarre freak um, for it to happen against against your nemesis, really. But um, it still it still kills me, really, all those years later that it's just we, we threw away that and we would have been right back in the title chase then. But and then we would have. Probably would have killed Bozo off, but they, they got momentum from it. And um, I tell you, the one that hurts as much as that is the cup semi final. We lost 1 0 to Glen Crow in the last minute. That was a killer, too. That was that was was that the same season? 
Um, the cup semi final. There was two semi final defeats, wasn't there? There was both. Yeah, there was. We've done off the following yeah. year. There was. I'd say that was the same season. We lost one 0 to Glen Crow in the last minute. It was a killer. That was that was a sickener. Two thousand one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they 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 were they were tough now to take. To be honest with you, when there's probably you're as good as if not better mm-hmm. than them, but to throw away a four one lead was a sin. Really, sin. Why do you raise that one? I'll just skip to uh, the Tony O'Dell question. Ask Billy, did he ever reimburse the club for the brand new jersey he threw into the crowd after Bowles beat us one day in the cup semi-final in Denny Mount? Jesus, Damien lost the plot. Damien lost the plot with me. So he rang me, killed me in the change room after. No, I never reimbursed the club. Tell him send an invoice <laughs> on there. Jesus, Tony, some memory. Um... <laughs> He, uh, I, I gave a jersey. There was a kid in a wheelchair, and we were coming off, and I was gutted. And I just took my jersey off, handed a kid in a wheelchair, and it was a brand new set of kit. And Damien went bananas with me. And he rang me the next day, and he was cursing at me. He was snapping with me. And I said, Listen, I'll sort you out, I'll sort you out, I'll buy a jersey. You can't buy a jersey, you can't. I was like, Oh, God. So he was a bit sore with me over that one. All right, yeah. I suppose the fact that we lost the bowls was a disaster, too. And the fact that I'd given away a jersey and everything, yeah, sure, it looks wouldn't happen now. <laughs> So just a final point on Santry, uh, 99,000 you were the club joint top goal scorer, so not too bad considering the strikers we had there at the time. Um, wanted to ask you about one game in particular. This would have been a 1-0 win over Waterford. So this was an eventful afternoon. You scored the winner, you were a man the match, and you even went in goal at the end because Tony yeah, O'Dell was, went off in a stretcher. Did Tony go off in a stretcher? Was I don't know if it was Tony or yeah. Robbie. Yeah, I was supposed to have a Played a small bit like underage and stuff like that, but I actually ended up going to go for Cork another time too. But yeah, that was it. we beat Water for one nil. Um, I actually think Cork won the All Ireland that Sunday, and I remember being in town after with my friends going to the All Ireland or meeting them after the All Ireland in town. And there's are you in goal? And I was laughing, yeah, but yeah, and a buddy of mine in goal for Water for Mick Devine, a great friend of mine, would have been in goal for Water, but so I scored past him, which would have been sweet. Um, but yeah, an eventful day would have gone a goal. And uh, listen, it was only about. A minute, I'd say it wasn't. There wasn't anything long in it, but yeah, I didn't have to do anything either. I still clean sheet. They all count. I know. Come here, I was like Sylvester Stallone in a movie. Where do I stand for corners? You know, one of those. I don't know what I was doing, but uh, we won in it. Listen, that was it. But I, I was two minute job. That was it. Wasn't that major? So usually, whenever I mention your name to Robert's fans, the first thing out of their mouth is this goal against Shelburne, the two thousand and one. FAI Cup quarterfinal replay. So it was a 3 0 win. Well, first of all, going into it, football was suspended for 30 days because of uh, foot and melts. So what do you remember about the build up to that game and then the game itself? We played, we played uh, a closed behind closed doors friendly in uh, Daily Mount against Bowles. I remember it was about a week before and we weren't allowed to wear any kit. So we had to wear a training kit. So Damien didn't, we couldn't wear any, Bowles couldn't wear their kit and we couldn't, because it was barely hush-hush because we weren't meant to be playing any sport or anything like that at the time. Um, So that was probably the week before. I, I can't, what was, did we draw the first game? One all or something, was this? Against Shells? One all draw in the first game, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember that game. I just remember, I remember the, I remember the Brian, no, Tony Grant got a goal early on, I think. He got, Tony Grant got two, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he was not a very good player and a great lad. Um, and then, yeah, I was playing left back and it just came to me and I just ran and opened up and I just took a shot. But um, it was a great night. That was They were strong 
team, that Shells team at the time. And for us to beat them and beat them so convincingly was fantastic. And it gave us a bit of momentum. Obviously, we went to, we didn't end up getting to the cup final. We probably left two cup semi-finals behind us because um, we went to Dundalk and we just got turned over in Dundalk. But um, that was a great night. And there was a huge crowd in Talca at the time. It was fantastic just to score and to beat Shells because the games between them were tight and they were strong physically. Um, but yeah, it was a good night. I think you're downplaying the goal there. I watched it back earlier. It's it's an absolute belter. And uh it would have been more likely if I'd have kicked it into the stand, to be fair. But yeah, <laughs> one of those that flew in. And actually the goalkeeper, Steve Williams, he he would have been with us at Coventry. Um so I was slagging him at that time after. But uh yeah, but it was good. It was a good goal, yeah, it was a good strike from digital box or something, yeah. I like this one from Justin Mason. He he says he remembers a few of us as in his mates. Recreating the goal that night, next morning, outside Mulligans with a traffic cone as the Shells defence and our resident Shells fan playing the part of Steve Williams, the Shells goalkeeper. So the fans love that goal. Did you feel you have a good relationship with the fans at, at uh, in your time there? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the first year was challenging because I, I just didn't play well, you know. Um, and I suppose my confidence dipped. I didn't perform well. People get on your back. Then they can understand it, you know what I mean? And it was... This first season at Rovers was the hardest because it was just we just underperformed as a team. We hit a wall and we couldn't get going and we were inconsistent and we just struggled. Uh, the the the, the, the three years I had then I I, I loved I, I loved you know I, I enjoyed playing for Damon got on well with him. Uh, you know Damon and Ija and Killian Givouti and Murdy but then he's your you know he's your biggest fan then and it was easy to play from. Um, fans are great to me. Uh, Always after that, even when we played Cork, I always got a good reception. I remember being in town one night. I met Rovers fans in Cork, and um, they were brilliant to me. Brilliant to me, you know. So listen, you just—it's nice to be, you know, rec- not recognised, but for people, you know, recognised. Was recognised for giving, you know, trying your best and playing as hard as you could for a, a, a good club. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Yeah, so a lot of people ask the same thing about the, about the squad, like as in it was a really good team, so should it have won more? So Brian McKenna says he reckons budgets got in the way. He wanted to know what we were really capable of. Tony Grant, who you just mentioned, he sent in a message. He said, superb player, Billy, fantastic feet, great pace, always a threat when he played. So he asked the same question. Does he think we should have won something under Rico with the squad we had? 100%. Uh, 100%. Like... I do think that's where, and you, you talk about bouncing from ground to ground, I think that's, it was a hindrance to us. Now, I'm not making excuses, but I do think it was a hindrance, really. You know, you don't have a home base. Every game is away from home. We had the talents. Uh, we had the ability. We probably just didn't have the mental strength at the time to get over the line. You know, you lose to, you lose to Shells in the semi-final, or you lose to Bowes in the semi-final, you lose to Dundalk in the semi-final. They're two games you should have won. Two games you should have won. You know, you turned up to the dock, we're four down. I remember just about half an hour to go and we're four down. I couldn't believe we were shell shocked, but um just didn't have that, I suppose, that small little bit that gets you over the, the final hurdle. Um but yes, as a team, we probably underachieved, no doubt. No doubt. Uh another ex teammate, Richie Byrne, they all have very nice things to say about you, Billy. He says, What a legend. Uh so he doesn't really have a question, it's more of a something he wanted to say to you. He just says that you always encouraged him. He said he was so nervous when I when I get the ball. Uh, when he played in front of me, he was always encouraging every successful pass I made. I remember one time he said to me after a good pass, that's top class there. 
made me feel like I was good enough to play as a pro. So maybe I'd say thank you for helping me through. These guys don't know how important they were to me and my development. So I thought that was nice from Richie. Ah, Richie's gen. To be fair, with, with Richie, it wasn't hard to, to, you know, a blind man could see his talents and his athleticism and his ability. You know, he went on to have a fantastic career. You know, he's a gentleman. Um, but I'm, you know, it's like when you see young lads coming through. And I remember Cork. We, I mean, we had Kevin Doyle, Shane Long. Uh, these boys were always going to be destined for for bigger and better things. But it wasn't easy, or it wasn't hard to recognise their talent. And like Richie, you know, Noel Hunt at the time came, and Noel went out and loaned for Mister Waterford. He came, but you could see, you could see he was going to have, he had something. He was going to have a career, just whether he had the mental strength and the, you know, and and looked like lads like Noel and Kevin. Doyle and Shane Long, they all had that, you know, in abundance. Went on to have fantastic careers. And that's lovely from Richie. Um, I watched his career. And I, I suppose that was the thing when lads I played with, I would have always watched their careers. You know, a good friend of mine, Roy O'Donovan's still playing in Australia. And I still watch and track him down. Like Twitter, social media, you can follow all these people. And that's what I love about it. But um, good idea to hear from Richie. Very nice words. Obviously, all these players would have been part-time and they had jobs and stuff. Um, I see you're a history and PE teacher now, but did you have a job as a car salesman back then? Yeah, so I, I would have I would have come back when I, I did a degree in UCD at the time, ended up working in sales. I wanted, My wife came back from England. She was after getting a job in Cork and uh, I wanted to move back to Cork. So I I pretty, pretty much a two years driving up and down the road. I'd train when I could at with Damon and the lads and I suppose I had two seasons coming up and down doing that. Um, but yeah, I did. I worked in sales for 10 years and um, I made the decision then just to go back and finish off a PE degree in 2010 and working as a teacher since pretty much, yeah. So after Roberts, you obviously had this great success with Cork. Uh, first, you had Pat Dolan's building blocks and then Rico again, your third time working with him. 2005 league title, 2007 FEI Cup, so... To achieve that with your hometown club, that must have been really special for you. Yeah, we. I suppose I, I came back in 2002. The reason I left Rovers really, I suppose Damien went and I met Liam Buckley and Liam was hounding me to stay, hounding me to stay and I met Joe Caldwell and I met the two of them together and I said, right, I, I was undecided at the time and like we had just, uh, we were back in Cork, my wife's work and we bought a house and uh and I was thinking, well, do I really want to do this for another two years, go up and down the road? And I, I made the decision. I remember Joe at the time rang me and he was really disappointed. Not disappointed with me, but just to, that I left. But I said, Joe, listen, it's the right thing for me. It's nothing to do with the club. It's just the right thing for me at the time to come back and not to travel. I said, look, I, I felt look, that the travel was going to take its toll on me if I did it for another two years. That I, would just, I was at an age where I was 29, nearly 30, that I just wouldn't be able to do it. And um, Joe understood the end, and Joe was a gentleman, and obviously, like you know, I had a great time for him and Jason, his son. Um, so I met Liam Buckley, and I just said to Liam, "Listen, this is my call," and that was it. Then Liam went away and signed James Kenny about a week later. That was it. So that was, you know, he moved on, the club moved on, but I, I came back to Cork, um, under Liam Murphy, who was a former teammate of mine, uh, for a year, and we had a very young team. We had lads like John O'Flynn, George came back from England. Really exciting players, really exciting players. And uh, Pat Dolan came in the following year and Pat changed everything then. I don't know. Look, you hear a lot of stories about Pat, but in terms of for a young lad starting out his career, and I was, was myself and Conor Brown probably, and Mick Devine probably the mm-hmm. oldest in the team, but um, for a young boy coming through, he was he was brilliant and first class and hard as nails now and ultra professional. But 
Um, he kind of changed the mindset of Cork that the lads could go on to play for Ireland. He always, you know, he'd always say this in the change room. Some days you were looking at him going, he's bluffing here, like, but like the likes of Doyle or Longy, Bennett, Gamble, they all went, didn't get international caps off down the road. But um, yeah, we had a lot of kids coming through. Dan Murray just come home from England. And it was an exciting time. We we won. We'd gone close a couple of years with the league. Won the league in two thousand five, and then we kind of Cork was a bit like Rovers in the sense that ownership issues at the time. And then uh, we won in two thousand seven. Brian Lennox was the chairman. Left won the cup in two thousand seven. Left, and then there was Arcaga the group came in, and that was they were bomb disaster. Then there was and the club was up and down in two thousand eight. Then I got injured pre season. Um, Missed about six months, came back, just couldn't get fit, couldn't get fit. And then I just said to Alan Matches one night, I just, there's no point in me staying because I'm not going to play. And I just, I was at the end, I was couldn't move really. I didn't feel like I could play at that level Premier anymore. And I, I kind of walked. And then the minute I walked, I said, geez, I shouldn't have. And the lads ended up winning this stand a couple, about three weeks later. So that was not a regret I have, but sure, look, that's hindsight is 2020 vision, isn't it? Uh, this was from Terry Palmer. Uh, interesting to hear your answer to this one. He, he wants to know about the change in Damien Richardson when he went to Cork after being with Rovers. Change in Damien Richardson. There wasn't that big a change. There wasn't that big a change. And honestly, Damien, like the lads would tell you, Damien wasn't a coach. He was a manager. You know, he let the coach into someone else's. We had a lad called Dave Hill who played for Bowes. Dave would have been the first in coach. He would have taken the session, basically. And the lads used to make a joke about it. it was warm up <laughs> circle in the game. And that was that was it. Damien was simplified. Damien's belief was that you're better than them. Go and play. Play and, you know, play all the time. Never launch it. Go and play. Believe in yourself. Um, and it, for, for young lads, he was amazing. Amazing. Because whereas Pat was focused, drive, you, nutrition, you couldn't eat this, you couldn't eat that, body fats. Damien with them would just, he would treat the people like adults. And like, there's nothing wrong with Pat, what Pat did, but like Damien was the other extreme. Then he just, he expected you to be mature and expected you to eat the right things, expected you to look after yourself off the field. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose the, we, a lot of the boys would have got good habits off Pat in fairness. Um, but Damien didn't change, didn't change. He was a gentleman. I suppose the only time the only time we kind of Damien was under pressure was towards the end of, of 2007 when there was Arcaga were coming in we'd won the cup and we kind of knew that Damien was going to be let go they weren't going to renew his contract he'd won a cup he'd won the league in three seasons we'd got to the Satanta Cup final we'd lost we'd lost the opportunity to win the double and so it was very, I thought it was very harsh it was very harsh and Alan Matthews came in then but it was very harsh but he, he was Damien's the same character I'd still keep in contact with him um a lovely man and a, and, a, and a great manager in my opinion so taking into account your your whole career the two spells with Cork Rovers England do you have a best night in football uh, I suppose when we won the league in Cork that would have mm. been my best night um, you know I remember we we but two weeks ago two weeks previously we'd drawn at home and Derry had dropped points and it just, it was so nervous and we needed to win to beat Derry. But that was the best night. That was just, I mean, you're playing the last night of this show, 2005. You know, your family's there, your wife is there, your parents are there. And, you know, you never think you're going to get that medal. Like, that's, you know, something you crave. I mean, I've been a City supporter since 84. Season ticket holder, gone to all the games, you know. 
and you just get so close and you think I'll never get a better opportunity and we, to win it actually I just didn't think it would happen for me if I'm honest and to win it that was our best night. then to win the cup then is great but to win the league in Cork in front of the home fans was amazing Again, career-wise, who's the best player you ever played with and played against? Jesus, uh, a very good question. Best player I've played with. Uh, I suppose, if from from a League of Ireland perspective, I, I the most the not, most natural talent I ever saw was Tony Sheridan, and Tony came to Coventry was gifted. Honestly, could do anything with the outside. I used to play. With the outside of his left foot, natural talent, superb. Um, don't know. You get all different players, players who make careers, and they wouldn't have that talent, but they would have had an unbelievable attitude. Uh, and it's very difficult question. Very difficult question. Uh, geez, I don't know. I don't honestly. I don't know. I don't know. You you play against so many. Every game is hard, but we played a couple of European games there where you're you're chasing your tail with Cork. Sometimes I remember we played Slavia Prague in 93 or 94 I can't remember and Patrick Berger I didn't know him obviously this is pre uh, internet so Patrick Berger was playing for Slavia Prague and he was amazing amazing and it just you couldn't get near him and he had left foot and he was pinging balls everywhere he was sensational but that was the first one that stood out but um, I say that's very difficult I don't know honestly So you went into coaching with the Cork under 15s are you still in that role now? No, I, I I was with Tommy Dunn and we were, so I had three years with Tommy as first team coach and we ended up winning the first division and then Tommy got let go and then I stayed with John for another two seasons um, as first team coach and then just with work and stuff, the club went full time. I couldn't get in in the mornings with work and I went back to the 15s, myself and Dan Murray, who you'll know, we would have done the 15s for three years of Cork and I just decided to take a break really from it, just commitment wise, giving up, you know, oh, three nights a week. I have three small kids, well, not small kids, I have three kids myself, so on the road, trying to drop them to their activities and stuff like that. But myself and Dan would have done underage at Cork for, for three years. And um, a lot of, there's a lot of boys there now who would have gone to England the last few weeks. Joe Whitmer, Marco Manny, there, same for Brighton, Frank, all those lads, Cahill would have all come through us. Um, but yeah, so that was it. I've, I've taken a break from it, but I loved both been with the first team and underage um, at Cork. I would, that's why I would have been up in Roadstone with teams, with Robbo, with Shane there a few times and stuff like that over the last few years. So you obviously still follow Cork very closely. They've just won promotion uh, back to the Premier Division. Uh, they haven't gone with two defeats, but what, what are your hopes for the season ahead? Uh, I suppose stability, really. Um, I think Colin will do a good job. I think there's a, obviously... There's a massive jump from top of the first division to Premier. Um, but I, I do think once it settles down, I think Cork will be fine. I think the home support, um, they're quite a young team. A lot of lads haven't, wouldn't have huge Premier League experience or Premier Division experience. But I do think they'll be fine. I think Colin's a very good coach. Um, I think he knows the league and he knows players and he'll get them playing. I think the game on telly last week was difficult in the sense that it was a massive occasion. But I do think once it settles down, they'll be they'll be fine. So also trip to Tala on Monday against Shamrock Rovers. Um, so that'll be that'll be a good game. And then when Rovers go to turn his cross, um, not sure when that is, a couple of months time. But um, always massive crowds for those games. I think. Yeah, fantastic. I, I, I 
I remember playing for Rovers, we played the Cup, we beat him. Remember, I don't know if you remember, Benno got a long goal from the half a line. We the massive crowds down there, Rovers come. I remember that Rovers home game against us in 2003, huge crowd. Um, great occasions. Rovers travel in numbers. Cork will always have big home support also. I think the game Monday week will be a good game. It'll be a good test for um, Cork City again against an experienced team. No Rovers missing. Might have a few lads suspended or whatever, but it'll be a good test. But um, And Colin tactically is very good in terms of the way he's changed shape last couple uh, last season, season four, where he's changed the group. But I do think um, Cork will put a, give a good count to themselves and give Rovers a good test. That's it, Billy. Uh, really, really enjoyed the chat. Lovely meeting you, and uh, thanks so much. Appreciate that. Thanks, Carl. Thanks very much for everything. Best of luck to you. This was a great interview. Once again, we go back to the whole confident era of this team. How did this team not win a trophy? Yeah, uh, one runner-up and two cup semi-finals and a league cup semi-final. So, and once so again, close, it goes but... back to the whole nomadic existence of Rovers at the time. I reckon. Yeah, by all accounts, anyone who talks to us about this team, like we should, they should have won something. Um, you mentioned Arcaga, Cork two thousand eight. Uh, I was just thinking, there's no time to get into this. Like, no, um, crazy stuff going on. Um, someone said, "Was this?" I can't remember who said this. He said, "I remember Ray Whelan asking him if there are any good boozers in Cork, and he said there are good boozers down there, bye." Bye. <laughs> that was the reply. Uh, the chant that Cork used to sing at Billy when he went to Rovers was Oh City Billy went to Shamrock Rovers and he won fuck all Oh so they used City to sing that Billy to him. fuck off you serious that's what they sang to him yeah so they gave him awful abuse as he said there uh, yeah so that's so, it yeah. well done great yeah. stuff again Prof. Billy, very very interesting stuff and a bit of a cool figure at Rovers and uh, you'll probably get a couple of Cork listens out of it as well because he had quite a career with them as well so next up, Prof, start 11s and predictions. Um, I'm going back and forth with myself on this one. We're going to do something different, though, before, yeah. you, before you start. Uh, we're going, just going to pick our back three. So you pick your back three, I'll pick my back three, and then we'll call out our full team. Yeah. Okay. So, right. what is your back three for this game? Since we're missing three centre halves, I'm gonna go Manus, obviously. Left no, centre back. No, just the centre half, three. Right, so left centre back. Pick the three. Yeah, left centre back. Yeah. We go one for one, maybe. No, no, just call it three. Cavo, Gary O'Neill, Cannon. Cavo. Is Cavo is Cavo fit though? Well, I think he's fit in horror, isn't he? He's no, of them have had. He's a, just not getting in. Did Cavo play any preseason? Yeah, I think he did. did he, yeah, horror didn't. I think I don't think Hor's ready. Maybe it's it's not the worst position to come into without a preseason. Like I said, if, if it do, if it is the case, like, and he can't, and if they're just as fit as each other, mm. which I don't think it is the case. Like you wouldn't bring a striker into this game without a preseason. No, as for, as much as I'm like I'm thinking, Cavo, I'm, I'm reliably informed. Cavo's fit, but if he's not, and him and Hor, it's a it's a sack race. I'm going mm. for Hor. So put it like that. Yeah. Who are you going for? Send her back. Now, it's kind of a Russia one now, but. What hear me out. What are you doing? I'm playing for this game against Darian Friday. Because there's, so, there's just no options. I'm playing Max Blanchard, Pat Tohey, 
And I've seen, I've actually seen this in person. This does exist in Kane Hopkins' bedroom. A life-size cardboard cutout of Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> Solid back tree, bro. And what's bizarre about that cutout is he's hung a Rovers Newcastle 2009 pennant on it. So just picture this. Giant Danny DeVito. Waking up to Danny DeVito staring at you most morning. <laughs> he um, he actually responds quite well on Twitter. If you put yeah. pictures of him and stuff like that, he does respond. No, I have the same back three. Uh, Gannon O'Neill Hoare despite the no preseason, I think that's their best option yeah there's there's nothing else and consider how good Gary was this is a tough one now the next one is tough Um, I was thinking about dropping Ferrugia his didn't have no I mean there was there was positive aspects to his playing Drada like I loved how he was driving us forward at times the end product let him down on the night. I think on this big pitch against these, we need a bit of fucking, a bit of oomph mm. on the left, considering they're going to have McElhaney maybe out there cutting in, grading possibly. I'm going to go Trev on the left with that big, big pitch. He's been playing on two tight pitches so far. I'm looking forward to seeing him get forward and being yeah. an animal again. I'm going to go Finn at right wing back if he's fit. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need that little extra bit of protection wouldn't know? surprise me if Brazzer said to Finn like three weeks ago I need you for dairy it didn't didn't he do something similar before where, and, he, and he stepped up to the plate so I'm going to go Finn now is, is the tough one because Gary O'Neill steps in there for me all day in centre mid but he's playing centre half now I'm going to go Tell mm-hmm. big one from Tell now I'm toying with myself here Another another one for the cutting room floor, but I'm thinking it's what's our poem. I'm gonna go poem. But then again, defensively we're slightly what what's your other option there? You've got Poom, you've got Watts. Both of them defensively you could say aren't behemoths and they're they're not they're certainly no Casemiro's or Roy Keynes, you know. I'm gonna go Poom. I'm gonna give him another chance at home on a big pitch. Finn on the right, and I'm going to go Bourne, Bourke and Gaff. If Gaff's not fit, obviously Kenny plays, so... So who did you drop in midfield? I've You've dropped Watts? Bourke, no Bourke, and Watts dropped. I definitely want to see more Burt. I, th- I, I think can't wa- drop Bourke or Bourne, especially Bourke starting I think the Watts has been okay so far. I think some people have been getting on his back. What are you going to go with? Um, so you've gone Towel Poom. Yep. I'm going to go tell Watts. Tell. And I'm going to have Poom as, as an impact sub this week. Okay. Um, otherwise, I do the same team. Predictions, I'm going to go for what I picked for in my... I'm going to go 1-0 Rovers. And I'm going to say Bork again. I'm going to go 3-3 for Bork. I think he's been very good. So you're saying 1-0. 1-0 Bork winner. Another goal for Graham Burke. Yeah. Right. I mean, just to be mental, I'm going to say 2-0 win. Oh. Um... I can't see it being comfortable. I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be horrific. It's going to be tough as hell this match. It's going to be awful. Uh, we're going to cough up chances and we have a makeshift back three. For some bizarre reason, I think we're going to keep a clean sheet though. Um, I can't explain it. It's it's set up for yeah. you know one of these mental situations where everyone thinks we're going to get pumped but we've got no defenders and then we end up keeping a clean sheet. You know one of those things? Yeah, it is one of those. But now it's not because we've just jinxed it. Yeah. 
Will we just delete this? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm saying 2 0. Goals for, I think Jack Byrne is due a big goal. I'm going to say Jack Byrne. That's why he's skip. That's why he's just skipping me for fancy football this week. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say Poom to get out the mark. So Poom goal for Poom. Off the mark. Two midfielders. Mm. So what about Cork predictions? Oh, Cork. I'm going to say Tonkin. A Tonkin against Cork. Tonkin, yeah. I'm going to say poor Kenny Billy to Wolves. open his account with a brace. Billy won't like to sound Bortz nice. to get a brace. And a nice 4 0 win. Tonk! <laughs> I will say. Not quite a Tonkin. I will say 3 1. Yeah. It all um, depends if we don't get half our team sent off. The bookies have already changed the odds for the season out to win the league outright. We've moved to evens. Evens? Derry 6 4. Move the change after two games. Um, also, one day, I think it was just before the Presidents Cup. I spent like nearly half a day accumulating home stats, <laughs> and because there's a lot of sequences like scoring, unbeaten, blah blah blah, and I'm not gonna say a single thing about it. No, I'm thing. not gonna use any of it. Because it puts the fear of God into me. <laughs> but just know that the stats are there. And you'll hear about them next week. Okay. Hopefully after we win. That's it. Um, it's down. But we are going to talk about our main stand. Tickets sold out. As well as the south stand. Um, big big things prof. Doing big things. Selling out stands constantly. Season tickets over 4,000. So um, superb. Superb stuff from everyone involved and well done. So good tactics getting these tickets and it's a, it's a bit of a draw at the minute. So I wonder will our base level rise again? For some reason, I always look at UCD home as our gauge. It is. It's maybe there you go. There's UCD's existence for us to gauge our our base yeah. attendance. Because you look back to Michael O'Neill times, we could barely get one and a half thousand chilled turnstiles for UCD at home. I remember a cup game against UCD right after Belgrade. One of our worst attendances at Tad of all time, I think it was. Yeah. remember there was uproar about that. I think it might have been midweek, though. I think it might have been a Monday. Um, 2019 was 3,000. Or Connor Kearns was in goal for that. Yeah. Jack Byrne was tur- turned on the style that day. Um, Last year, kind of different factors, though, because it was the opening game of the season. So that was was a five thousand, I think, open day of the season. But this year, with four thousand season ticket holders, I wonder what our new minimum is. Interesting. I say high trees. Yeah, high trees. So that uh, Roy Higgins is stepping back this week to take care of the funeral arrangements for his brother. Um, and the hoop scene is back with a fresh look. Prof, it looks the biz. Very, very, very cool. Make sure you get yeah. your programs. Different cover design layout looks great. The whole lot and Prof has a belter of a story and an article this week. It's 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 a brilliant one. Genuinely had a love reading on me break today. Um, make sure your boys are programs, Prof. Yeah, it's because the fiftieth anniversary. Of Lick a when, paint for the for the program. Yeah, it's the fiftieth anniversary of when Rovers and Athlone met in three FAI Cup replays in three consecutive evenings. This which, is nuts. You, you you say this to people. Young people. We now. talked to McLeach about you, this. You couldn't, didn't we? couldn't wrap your head around this. And we were like, no, it couldn't be. Three replays yeah. in three days. Two of them an extra time. And then on the Sunday, they got to play the actual next game. Yeah. So Wednesday, 
Thursday, one period of extra time. Friday, two periods of extra time. Then had to travel to Sunday in the quarterfinal. So we played eight eight FAI Cup matches and didn't even make the semi-finals. Absolutely insane. So I've had I have an extensive article about. Well, it's not just about myself, Gary. All the all the crew are back together. Uh, McDowell has interviewed Lee Grace. You got Harry Moore. Dave Hanley is writing about the women's team this season. Robert Goggins has written about the 1996 era because uh, if you've been following the program, he did a lot of pieces on the RDS last season. But now he's moved on to post RDS when. Tala was first announced so the Premier Group comes in and they announce these plans for Tala Stadium <laughs> who, who would have known it would have taken 13 years um, but yeah program has a lick of pain looks, looks brilliant looks the biz um, and make sure you buy it we've gone up to 64 pages um, like there's a couple of more ads in than there were before but That's the, part the, the content part. is the exact same there's no drop in content, so still great value. That's for, a good thing, though. You have more people five want to sponsor, you know. Mm-hmm. Still great value for five euro. You look around the league or the league of Ireland. Other clubs haven't to deal with the new realities. Uh, production costs are through the roof these days. Waterford have scrapped their program. <sighs> what? Dundalk rumors that Dundalk are going to scrap their program. Now Dundalk program won the better ones. The Knox program is their pride and joy. Like they they love that thing. Yeah. Quite but a good um, one as well. Good read whenever you Sligo have gone up to five euro. So again, that's the realities. Uh cost so much to print these things now. You're kind of forced to increase the price. But like we discussed so many times last year, we have given you value for money with that five euro. So absolutely. Absolutely go out and buy the program. Yeah, boy, these are programs. Stafford's cousin of Rings End um, first home bus of the season will be leaving from the OH at half six on Friday 15 quid for adults 10 for OAPs 5 for kids and everyone who has put their name down before Wednesday we're going to draw the winner getting the chance to start set their half I was reading that out as if it was actually winning a prize or something uh, big shout out to the Pride of Rings End again friends of the show doing brilliant brilliant things uh, running buses from Rings End every game full to the brim with standby lists as well so fair play to the lads keeping the tradition alive in the home of football um, yeah big shout out to Rings End and the golden goal profits live it's getting better every week we have a match worn prize to give away and possibly over 300 quid nice solid win for uh, Neil Prendergast he won first time doing the GG and he won 300 quid so I was going to ask you that. Has he been playing every week? No, or? literally the first time he first, did it. Geez, he and he won a centenary jersey as well. So we have a bag of uh, jerseys anonymously donated to us for spot prizes, Prof. Neil, just quit while you're ahead because it took me <laughs> yeah. two years to win that thing. Uh, yeah. Brian McKenna he, says, can we do a parallel sweep for the timing of the first red card? <laughs> yeah, it's not about you. Yeah, so uh, a big one as well. The players will wear Love Rovers Hate Racism shorts during the pre-match warm-up and a very, very strong, strongly worded message. And normally I don't think football should uh, go hand-in-hand with politics, but this is a massive uh, shout-out from Rovers to say, fuck hatred, fuck uh, racists, fascists, the whole lot. We stand with equality and it was a really strong message and fair play to everybody at the club and everybody involved in it who pretty much just said we understand what's going on in the country but you misplace hate. There's no uh, room for misplaced hatred in the world and ultimately innocent people who have done nothing wrong. And uh, yeah, this whole, unfortunately within Irish society today there's been a lot of hatred towards 
people and personally it's not it's not for me i don't agree with it whatsoever i'd be totally on the opposite side of it but it's a it's a lovely and strong statement from rovers and we know where we stand as a club absolutely it would be very cool to see the players line ill in their match and love rovers hate races and keep an shirts. eye out for one of these love rovers hate races and t-shirts for a spot prize because i am going to be mooching in there to get <laughs> these because normally they're dumped aren't they they're thrown these t-shirts but hopefully we can keep a few up gary p hang around the dumpsters yeah um uh, fortunately we were recording Tuesday afternoon Tuesday evening here which is kind of probably w- when we usually record this season and this promo which we've known about for weeks now uh, we've, we've not seen it but we've seen the odd clip of it, is it even, this, this, this will go out on Wednesday so we can't react to it so by the time you're listening to this you'll have seen the promo and it's Gonna be epic. This has caused hysteria. It's gonna be epic, I'm sure. Someone texts me and says, "Is that Aaron McAniff?" Yes. And I just laughed. And like, someone said to me, "Is it a new player?" Yes. <laughs> then someone else would say, "What's this, New Jersey? What's this, something else?" Just fuel the pump, fuel it, fuel yeah, the whole so thing. If you're listening now and you wanted to be a new signing and you're let down, well, it's your own fault. Yeah. It's it's a it's a hype video for the new season. Big big shout out to Philly McGuire. Philly, Scorsese, Maguire, Assure Media, he just brings his visions to life. You have a filmmaker who's a Rovers member, season ticket holder, all these people who are putting their heart and soul into the club and doing it for for the love of it. These are the ones that are going to bring us forward as a club and um, fair play to Philly. And everybody else, strong guy Graham, everybody else who's been involved, absolutely excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. So Funny enough, as we speak here, I've seen the behind the, behind the scenes video. because so because myself. Because Kane made that. And Kane, said, Kane, of course, don't forget Kane yeah, as well. Kane said his behind the scenes was longer than the actual video. So. Oh, madam. For them. Yeah, so brilliant stuff. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, both suites will be closed for the month of March due to ongoing renovation works, sack the board. We have, however, made alternative arrangements with the Maldron Hotel where we'll have the upstairs Shannon suite available exclusively for members and their guests. There will be a bar service. Hot food will be available on our own. 1899 DJs will be providing the sound. So I'm guessing Gav, Fitz and Jamie. Uh, this is a pre-match facility only. It will open two hours before kickoff and will be in operation for the home games versus Derry. 43rd of March and versus St. Pat's on the 17th of March. Not for the court game on Monday, 6th of March. So please show your membership card and entrance to the suite. You'll be given a guest pass for the season at this point. So yeah temporary arrangements until we get the bar open and up and running so there is your arrangements check them out on your emails uh, the shop is currently in temporary location to the left of the main reception entrance I'm doing the the oil thing no, when like the, the the girls the, and flight, the, oil, the, the flight, flight attendants, attendants yeah. yeah main reception entrance consequently is much reduced capacity so it will be open from 2pm match days until 15 minutes before KO and again 30 minutes after full time so listen it's all temporary don't get too frustrated we know people will it's all for the greater good. We are getting a massive conference centre. We're getting a bigger shop. We're getting a better bar. We're getting better beers. So that is it for this week, Prof. There is no more except a massive, massive game to contend with on Saturday. Sun on, bring, on Friday. Bring your loudest singing voice. Bring your precious 2022 Conference League scarabs. Yes, sir. Lofted in the air. Roar on the boys. That's it for this week anyway, and we'll see you in the South Stand. See you in Block X, and keep on hooping. See you. But having said that, yes, but Billy Woods did pick the ball up in the halfway line, drifted past two defenders, and at least an unstoppable shot. Williams had no chance to score. Yeah, it was Rover's best performance of the season.